fucks in deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucks in deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucks in deep. Put it in deep. I'm concerned about the trends. <laughs> They're coming for you one day. Right, all of us, no matter what, you're going to get fired. All three of those guys are coming back. The difference is now they all got huge contracts that they're sitting on at home and enjoying Christmas. And when they come back, they're probably making more. So, well, I left Pete DeBoer a pretty profanity laced congratulations message. So that's what's changed. You know, get pucks deep, bring the puck deep, put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep, get pucks deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep, keep getting pucks deep. All right, we're back. Pucks in Deep podcast here. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. It's been a little bit of time, Lesko, before we got together here. I don't even know how long it's been. It's been quite a while, but here we are. Several Leaf games. Okay, I like that. We're not even going to do days, weeks. We'll just say how many Leaf games it's been since we last spoke. But in this case, yes, quite a few Leaf games. Leafs are on a heater. A minor slide here with two L's in a row, but... All things considered, it's been a heater for the Leafs. Happy New Year to all the listeners. Happy New Year to you, my man. Glad to see you here again at the farmhouse for episode 51. That's right, episode 51 of the Pucks and D podcast. I see your mustache made it through to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice it like in your bucket the other day playing hockey. Okay. I didn't see it in your goalie mask. True. So I was taken aback when I arrived today. You, you thought my New Year's resolution was to look Maybe. less like a stalker? Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of stalkers, have you fucking seen that Netflix show? No, I haven't. But you? I've, I've heard some people talking about it. So it's too bad that you haven't heard it or watched it because I, I, I've had this question that I want to ask someone who's watched it. So well, if anyone can't out can help you there. Well, maybe our listeners can I got Disney Plus during the oh, Christmas holidays. Have you hit the Mandalorian yet? No. No Star Wars yet. Disney obviously like what are you like cartoons? Well, I went, they got all the Simpsons, man. They got oh, the whole Simpsons catalog. Oh, I like I haven't I haven't binged that shit in years. We're on that. And now. then the wife and I are taking taking a journey back into some of the old uh the classics. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah, the classic Disney movies. Okay, back to my question. Yeah, though. yeah. If any of the listeners out there are, are tuned in to the show, you let me know on Twitter at Coleman42, find Lesko at Lesko Adam, and the uh, show's Twitter can be found at PuckPod. Basically, Lesko, the thing is this. For the first, like, I'm not going to give it away for anyone who's, you know, oh, fucking yeah, spoilers. Don't, don't spoil I won't it. give it away. But the guy's a stalker. That's not giving it away. He's a fucking psychopath stalker. Okay. And. <laughs> through like the first four maybe five episodes i'm 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 cheering for him like while he's doing the stalking well not really like while he's doing the stalking because clearly i know that's fucking psycho <laughs> but like okay basically obviously the 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 psycho stalker has to like when they meet you know if you're a psycho stalker and you meet your person that you're stalking okay yeah. you're gonna be the nicest person she or he has ever fucking met Right, like you're gonna be the best version. Yeah, but uncomfortably nice, though. Yeah, maybe over the top. Anyway, point is, like throughout the show, when they meet, or he's just the best. He's the best, goddamn. Like he seems like a cool. Why aren't you dating this guy? Right, but she shut him down. 
Yeah, she shuts him down, and it's like, why aren't you dating this guy? Like, he's the best. Like, you had this other fucking douchebag. But he turns out to be a stalker. I know! So she made the right call, is what Well, yeah, (laughs) I guess she makes the right call in the grand scheme of things, but I just find it weird, because the problem I had, dude, and I said this to Kirsty, the reason, the only reason why I'm legitimately cheering for Joe is because he's the main character. Yeah. What, What TV show or fucking movie... Ever in the history have you not cheered for the main character in the program? It's an interesting trend, I think, in in some... Take it, uh, for example, Breaking Bad. You're cheering for Walter White pretty much until he fucking... Sorry if you haven't seen it. Go fuck yourself if you haven't. Poison's that goddamn kid. I haven't seen it. (laughs) Right? Oh, come on. It's okay. You haven't seen Breaking Bad? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. I I feel like... Well, podcast canceled. Yeah, okay. We'll see you guys later. Just shutting in the microphone. Right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, yeah, let me know. I don't want to go too, too far on it. But I like Kirstie was giving me a hard time. Like, she's giving me a hard time. She's like, I don't, I'm questioning. I'm questioning my decision to marry you. I'm just kidding. But like, she's joking on me. But she's right. I'm questioning. Like, what are you doing? You're cheering for this psychopath. But some of these shows have a way of like making Stalker. you um, not identify with them, but sympathize with them. I don't know. He was just the best. Everything he did was the best. I was like, man, this guy's unreal. Like, you know, showing up, like getting her this, getting her some food. So are you still like hoping he gets her eventually? I don't know. I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin the show for anyone. But I'm at this point now where it's kind of like I I can't really cheer for him anymore. We'll we'll move on from that one. He's not cheerable. Okay, but other random shit before we get down to business. Seriously, how was was your Christmas, man? Did you get anything good? Santa good to you? Or like, what was the deal? I got some dope shit. Sick leaf hoodie. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, nice. You know what's one. strange is over the years, like over the last maybe like handful of years, two to three max, I don't get leaf stuff anymore, and I find it the weirdest thing. See, I went through, there was a period of time where I didn't get any hockey stuff for a while, like in my life, and then I started like asking for it because I missed getting like hockey shit. Yeah, I don't mind like. My parents at some point when I was a teenager were like, I ah, too cool for hockey stuff now, right? Right, right. It's like, no, nah, I, I like that shit. Yeah, I agree. Or maybe I, maybe I started liking it more in my adult, in my adult life. Well, you, maybe it's more you outgrew a, all the shit that you had. Yeah, that's a good point. You used that's to have point. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you outgrew. I like the. I like the. Um, I don't want to say I don't want to say knickknacks, but like uh, just things, you know, things to put around the room or put on the wall. So that's or, what I don't like. I don't like. Fucking you want to wear it. Well, yeah, something useful. Like I used to get a lot of like fucking dumb bullshit, just like just like little things, you know. It's just like I um, now. My wife always talks about like the after Christmas anxiety of you bringing all that shit in your house. Oh yeah, you're like what the hell am I gonna do with what all am I gonna this? do with all this? Even things. bringing out the Christmas decorations, she's like. Where the fuck where are we gonna put all this shit? Like I don't want half the shit here. Like put it back in the containers. <laughs> That's good, man. Uh, for me, bro, like I got two awesome things. One's like a like a really fucking awesome thing. It's that Xbox controller. Wherever it is, you should oh, actually reach. You got the for Elite it. one? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I got one of those last year. No, 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 no. This is the oh, you fucking, got the new one. This is the like whatever it is, bro. Like the Elite Series Two. It's yeah, like the new fucking one. Three hundred dollars, man. Really? Yeah. Wow. Where is it? Can you reach it? So are you just smashing noobs on Battlefield? Or well, what? I mean, I'm still getting used to it. I'll tell you about it in a little <laughs> Can you tell me? Can you see it? Is it within your reaching? Put it in your hands. Yeah. Oh, Put that yeah. shit in your hands. Feel how heavy it yeah. is? Look at the stick on the right side. Yeah, you got the long one on it's there. It's the long stick. It's got the detachable ones. There. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, it's so fucking sick, it's man. It's not that much different than the one I got. You can... 
look at the paddles on the back yeah for your middle finger and yeah. your ring fingers you can add those extra extra paddles i've never actually used them though so i don't have to hit i don't have to hit oh, any buttons, buttons on yeah. my pad and i play shooter games have you gotten used to that what? Using those back paddles. I'm really good at reloading now. I don't have to press X. Oh, yeah. I don't have to press X for reload. This was probably the prime one to set it up for. I click, click, click. And the, no, the biggest one, dude, 100% is uh, jump. Okay. So I never have to jump over things, which means if I want to jump over something but still look over here, I can if you understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I can go and jump on that fucking barrel and still look to my left and not move my thumb off the stick. Yeah, that's a that's a solid Christmas get right there. Oh, it's there. so unreal. And you like pull the triggers. They don't go down. I have a hair pull trigger on my right side. Oh yeah. See? Yeah. So now I don't have to pull my trigger as, oh, as like long as too. you do. You're pulling your trigger and you're going, "Man, I saw that guy first. Yeah, but fuck you. I pulled my trigger faster." Is that how you set that right there? Yeah, exactly oh, right yeah. there. There's three different settings. Yeah, I've never really screwed with it other that's than so cool. I screwed around with the long joysticks. Yeah, yeah. The definitely. other thing I got which was sick dude was a little like it's a mug. So it's a as as you drink out of your amazing Pucks and Deep podcast mug. Uh, mug. Yeah, you can fit a, a good strong drink in there. Uh, it's a it's a it's a mug, but it's a Canada glove. It says Canada. It's like a hockey glove. Looks like a hockey glove, and it goes down your wrist, kind of like an old Wayne Gretzky glove, you know. Uh -huh. So you put your hand into it, and then you drink out of it. That's ridiculous. It looks pretty sweet though. Like it looks like you got <laughs> That's a, the kind of shit I'm talking. About. It looks like it looks like you got a glove on, but it was good for the World Juniors, which were pretty fucking dope. Oh, yeah, man. Like, very memorable tournament. It was funny because when we were talking about it before the break, we were like, oh, I just haven't been as excited or engaged on it the last couple seasons. But I think that went out the window pretty quick with... I mean, we, we talked about the timing of the Canada US game this year, but wasn't that awesome? It, it set the tone. Like, we maybe would have felt a little bit differently had they lost that game. But holy shit, did that ever set the tone, get you fired up? And then they go and get spanked by Russia, and you're like, it brings you right back into the tournament because you're like, oh, yeah, this tournament, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And anything that, can that's happen. That's what I was just going to say in response to your little quip there where you said maybe we think differently because we won or we might have thought differently if we lost. Uh, it depends. Like if we lost like we did to the Russians, then yeah, right off the get-go, things are not looking good and I'm not excited about it. Oh, my God, we're going to finish sixth again, you know? Well, but if we lose a close tight one, like if we play the States there and we, and, and that, that was the exact game that was played. Only we ended up on the other side. I'm okay with that. Like that was a good hockey game. It was. And it was another USA Canada classic back and forth. Oh my God, we're down early by two or whatever it was. That's what it was. Right. We went down by a pair right away and it wasn't looking very good. And then we settled in and won the game. Fantastic hockey game. Russia next time. Not so fantastic. Luckily I was busy i can't remember what i was doing but i was oh my goodness of course i remember what i was doing i was celebrating the life of shane clinton puppet an absolute beauty ah. former goalie at tuesday night hockey yeah what a beaut glad i was able to bring his name up on the podcast what a fucking beaut golfed with him lots played hockey with him what a great guy i was at his celebration of life and the russians were absolutely pumping canada and everyone was like Oh man, what a terrible thing to happen on Puppet's Day, you know? Because you know everyone wants to say like religious <laughs> or like things about it, you know? You know, and, mad at Team and, Canada, and, and, and I'm like, no. The thing is, is Puppet was probably like, fuck this noise. They're getting whooped, so everyone pays attention to my celebration of life because it was on at the bar. Right, right. So everyone was like looking over their shoulder, like watching the TV while everyone was, you know, having nice speeches about Puppet and telling funny stories. Nobody's about fucking him. listening. No one was listening. <laughs> and then it was like eight Jesus. nothing Russia, and then everyone was listening. Huh? Yeah, and everyone yeah. celebrated Puppet's life, and I was like, man, 
they were all saying like, oh, if Puppet had a hand in this, he would have made sure Canada won on, on his day of celebration. I was like, no, he probably was like, what are you doing having this today? No one wants to see this. So I'm going to just ruin the game and make it uh, make my celebration more important. But yeah, yeah I, I didn't see it at all. I made plans to go ice fishing that day. And boy, was I ever glad I did. Because if I would have like purposely stayed home, said going, I was a beautiful day, like minus one. You know, it was. went out to the camp. It was unreal. So I'm glad I missed that hockey game. And But what I thought immediately after the loss, I thought to myself, man, I hope they meet them again in the playoff rounds and absolutely crush them. And look what happened. Look at it. The playoff rounds, like right down to the fucking wire, right? Yeah. I mean, what a, what a way to get your revenge. That hockey game was incredible. And even when they were down two goals, I think it was about 10 minutes left in the third period, I didn't. I wasn't sweating it at all. I was like, ah, again, going back to what I said earlier, anything can happen in this tournament. It's not only anything can, bro. Every year we see that anything will. does happen. It yeah, will. It like, does. It's it, almost inevitable that something crazy happens at the World Juniors. So I wasn't counting them out at all. And like Barrett Hayton, did that guy like double his stock after after that tournament triple a stock well you figure? i mean the thing to remember is it's it's difficult to just the answer is yes let's go but you gotta you gotta you gotta be careful on that though because if you just assume that the guy is gonna be this like absolutely epic player with all kinds of heart and lead his team to championships i mean honestly need no you don't need to look any further than jordan eberly right i mean jordan eberly was an unbelievable World Junior Presence. What he did for the World Juniors was amazing. One of my favorite quotes, R.E. Jordan Eberly, is from Pierre Maguire. When he says, you need a big time goal, you call Jordan Eberly. And it was just the greatest call because it's true. And, you know, Eberly is a great NHL player. I'm not saying he didn't turn into anything. But has Eberly been anything close to what he was you know, for that. Yeah. And I'm not talking about in terms of what we, what expectations that you might want to heap on this kid right now. I'm talking more in terms of his stock, his value. You know what I mean? The coyotes could go and trade that guy oh, for way more than they could have. Really, yeah, for example, ago, yeah. now kill Thomas's goal was fucking unbelievable. Oh man. For two reasons. One, he won that, like pushed the puck by and got and won that puck race and the goalie did not challenge him. But when the goalie did challenge him, I'm thinking in my head, this guy's got no time. Maybe he gets a quick shot off. Didn't have time to do anything. He does the only thing you can do. Flips her over the backhand and puts it off the post and in. He curled and dragged it. So fucking clutch. It was unbelievable. I think Baron Hayton, it's, it's, it's the clutchness, but it's the story, right? Yes. This guy is a Canadian hero for the rest of his life. And for the right reasons, being a guy that just, I'm not saying the other countries don't have guys that do this, but he gets injured. He's literally questionable and he can barely raise his arm to Selly. I thought he was, nobody thought he was playing. All they were talking about for 24 hours is that he wasn't playing. Snipes. Yeah. <laughs> like that was not a, a change up. You know, sometimes the, the scorer scores on a change up goal. The goalie thought it was going to be a rip show top corner and it was a bit of a change up and beat him in between the arm. Well, that was not that that was not that shot, Lesko. That shot was ripped. Perfect. It was. It was a perfect shot. Ripped. And then he's celebrating. 
and it's so unreal. It gets player of the game. Obviously, he didn't have any bad feelings when he lifted the puck. In the I trophy. thought he was getting the MVP of the tournament as well, which ended up going to Lafreniere, well-deserved. Um, he was the other Canadian player. Obviously, if you're watching, I thought was outstanding. So sad. Um, some of the plays he made, most notably, I'd say that that puck he cut off in midair and then just walked in and buried it. I thought that was unbelievable. Like here again. So here's the thing with my, I, I like to look at these players play and, and get all excited about what I think they may be able to be one day in the NHL. That's I feel like that's fair. That's what everyone does. Oh, I wonder what this guy's future is going to be like. It's blah, time blah, blah. to overhype prospects. Yeah, it is. It's the it's the it's the time of the year. You're right to over to overbid on your prospects or whatever. Um, but with Lafreniere, it's like he is definitely on another level. You can take him and maybe a few others throughout the tournament if you want, and you know, actually, probably not even, dude. Probably just him. Like he is on another level. You can tell. You can tell as he moves around. You can tell as he reads plays. And then all of a sudden, there he is. Oh, the puck comes back to Lafreniere. No, it didn't really come back to Lafreniere. Lafreniere made sure he He was was there. He was where he was supposed to be. And one thing I didn't know about Lafreniere, uh, that he had such a good physical edge to his game. I was really impressed with some of the hits that he laid. And it was interesting because this team wasn't really physical whatsoever. But... Some of their opponents, on the other hand, were like I thought. USA was was running them around a little bit. I thought the Russians, Russians did in the did first for one, sure. Yeah. Like that was that was one of the more heavy Russian teams I've in in recent memory. They were a big team. They were a big team, and they were they were very very physical out there. Now they took some dumb penalties, most notably in that final game against Canada in that third period. I mean, on the Russian side of things, I think it's, it can be considered a little bit of a meltdown. Yeah. I think so. Like, they fucked up. Yeah, they fucked up. That broken stick play was really dumb. Oh, yeah. That guy was just, like, having a fit. And they were still in it. Oh, 100%. Like, there was, was still all kinds but of But it's just left. those two goals just really, really got them. Like, it, what... Good teams will... And, I mean, this is a team of teenagers at a tournament, you know can't have super crazy expectations in terms of how they deal with adversity. But teams that end up in that situation, give up a couple quick goals, lose a lead. That's the moment where your composure really needs to show. Yeah, it's true. And it didn't for the Russians. No, you're right. You're 100% right. Um, Back to the Lafreniere body checking, by the way. There was one hit. I, I wish I could remember on who and when. But there was one hit, man, that I thought was real, really questionable. Like it was, it was fucking heavy, and it was from behind. And if that guy that he hit went down in any other fashion, other than you know how there's like the hit from behind where the guy goes, the guy goes like falling into the boards, and those right. are the dangerous ones. Oh, I know hits and from then, behind, and then yeah, and then there are the other hits from behind where it's close enough to the boards where the guy is you clear, just mash him, you into mash the, him. Yeah. You mash him. That's what it was. Right. So it wasn't like, you know, vicious or dangerous or predatory or the guy, the player was going to be like severely hurt or anything, but it was heavy as fuck. Those guys are putting extra strides in those hits in in that tournament. They're flying around out there. I love it. Man, it was, I remember that was, I think that was the second one I saw him lay. And I was like, man, I've already seen this guy lay one guy out and now he wants to kill this guy. 
Yeah. Like, this guy's got an edge, man. He definitely made a fan out of me after after seeing him lay, lay some checks that really... I can really get behind those guys with incredible levels of skill, skating ability, but also have a well-rounded game. Uh, you know, whether or not you value that is up for debate, you know, up to you. But uh, just from a personal standpoint. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not likening him to McDavid, okay? So stop. I'm not saying he's McDavid or the next McDavid or whatever, but I'm telling you right now, I do get McDavid feels when I see him when I see him handle it. When I saw him so, get it. So right now do you think he's on the fringe of that generational talent Crosby McDavid echelon of of prospect or is he more in that you know, superstar elite area that you might put say Matthews. the Matthews yes. The Eichels, the rest, yeah. the rest, you know, Stamp Coast, yeah, guys like Giroux. that, right? Yeah, yeah, Tavares, right? Like on right. the cusp of being like, like a game breaker, I guess. Yeah, because right. you know what I mean. You want to have yeah. what you want. You want to put. So he's some. Do you think he's some for you? He's somewhere in between those two places. Yeah, I. Th- so if you like, I don't want to. Like I said, I don't want to compare him to McDavid. Say that he's a McDavid, but I would like to say that I get that same feel. And unfortunately for me personally and everyone else, I feel, well, mostly everyone else, we didn't get a chance to get those feels about Matthews. I remember the only time that I was able to really look into Matthews, the player, it had to be clips on YouTube of him busting water bottles in Switzerland, right? We didn't get the world juniors two years in a row or look at this highlight out of the OHL. The, when I wasn't the, paying attention that hard, even though I knew the Leafs were bottoming out that year because I didn't think we were going to fucking get it. Yeah. I wasn't trying to get too excited about any players because I was like, I don't, I didn't, I was used to disappointment. I didn't think there was a sh- hope in hell they were getting that. That's a fair point, dude. That is a really fair point because I can vividly remember feeling the same, feeling the same way. Being like, man, this guy would be so sick to have based on what I'm seeing. But is then that, I didn't want to go into into too much depth and try and find a live feed of his game, you right. know. But if I was if I was Detroit right now, I would be watching every single like if I was a Detroit fan. Excuse me, if I was a Detroit fan right now, I would be watching every single game that he plays in because he's sick. Yeah, you don't want to tear yourself up for disappointment either. Especially because the odds are even less now, the way they have it structured. I know, last, but if you're last, it's not as not as certain as it once appeared to be. Yeah, I know, but at least then it's still something. I don't know. Are you really pumped up? Let's go about watching every Detroit game. I got some young talent, at least. Oh, give me a break. They they're lose terrible. every game except oh, they're for a when terrible they fight, team. Except for when. But I mean, they got some young talent. Like they got players on the ice to be excited about. They lose every game except the ones they play against Montreal. <laughs> yeah, I know. How about that, eh? What? Montreal lost them again. Was it the third time? The third time. Yeah. So they're zero and three on the season. How many? How many wins does Detroit win? Like twelve. 11? I'm not sure. I never looked that I never have to look that far down the standings. <laughs> oh, fucking bazinga. Um no, but seriously, they have 11 or 12 fucking wins and 3 of them are against Montreal. Montreal's playing right now against Edmonton. They're uh luckily tied right now at zeros. But I mean, at this point, let's go right now. Would you like who are you anticipating is going to win this hockey game? Zero zero score. Edmonton. Ed, like, is it not an obvious choice? Yeah. Even though Edmonton isn't running away with things anymore either. They had a great start and everything. 
Um, you know, I have uh, Dry Settle in the pool, and I always complain that he's not doing anything. He gets a point here and what there. You mean not doing anything? He's in second in the league in scoring. No, I know, but like what I'm saying not is doing anything. No, but what I'm saying is there was a time where every single night it was multi-point nights and like six and seven and nine shots on fucking goal. And what happened for literally maybe a week, a week and a half span? Well, they there, shit the bed for a little bit. Yeah, that's altogether. all I'm saying. Right? Is it was it was one assist, one shot on goal. What? Were you even there? Like, you know, Dylan Strom had one assist and two shots on goal. And you can't have one more shot? You're Leon Dreisaitl. And then, you know, they pick it back up and they they look to be back to the norm again. So, yes, I feel like it's an obvious choice. I don't want to go off of Montreal, which is what we were just talking about. But, um, yeah, the Atlantic Division, dude, it's back to normal, basically. Is it not? Is it fair to say that the Atlantic Division took... Uh, what October, November, December? It took three months for the Atlantic Division to, you know, be normal. I guess normal in the context of back to where everyone expected it in terms of the standings. Right. I'd say what's not normal is is where Boston's at right now. Uh, they, they've hit a bit of a cold streak ever since uh, December. Really, it seems um, having, you know, just allowed Tampa and Toronto to gain a lot of ground on them. I believe at one point they had lost, what, six straight, uh, five regulation wins in the last 16 games played. It hasn't been great. That's, that's not good at all. I haven't had a chance to watch them, so... Me neither. I'm not about to tell you what's going wrong with the Bruins right now. I just find it surprising. Um, every team's going to have those lulls, except for if you're Tampa Bay last season. Um, right. I mean, as a Leaf fan, it's fucking fantastic because it's allowed them to close the gap somewhat. Uh, the Leafs obviously being on a bit of a heater. Um, I don't know who can, counted out Tampa Bay, though. Were you, did you count them out at any point? No. No, definitely not. No. Yeah. I don't, it, I don't think anybody would have, to be honest. I mean, you'd have to show me someone who said, I firmly believe that this is the Tampa and like the Tampa that we're going to get. It looks like we might end up with a three-way race if, if all continues to go as we expected to for... Toronto, Tampa, and Boston. Man, Leafs, Bruins, again, first round. I want it. You want it? I want it. You want it, yeah. Do you want to know why I want it? I'll give you one guess why I want it. You should get this. Why? Come on. You have no no guesses? Redemption? No. Sheldon. What better way to prove for once and for all, regardless of the statistics and how great we were since November 21st and all that bullshit, let's say we end up first in the league and all this and ever that. If we don't win, it's not going to matter. If we lose to Boston in the first round again, it won't matter. Now, what if we lose to Boston in the second round, Lesko? What does that mean to you as a Leaf fan? It might subtract the excitement of the first round win. Why? Because you lose to Boston again. We haven't made it past the first round since 2004. Yeah, it'll be fucking awesome until you lose to Boston. You won't give a shit anymore. No, I can't disagree anymore, dude. All we got to do is get past the first round for, for, for this franchise at the current state of mind to at least be like, all right. It's not a crazy high, high bar. No, I'm not saying it's the bar. But I mean, I think it will wear off. I think it'll wear off. What's the bar for you then? Oh, a cup. Okay. I'm expecting this team to win a cup. And we'll be disappointed with everything else. Otherwise. But if we but if we if we don't get out of the first round, we're talking about we're talking about like disappointment that you can't even explain. 
2004, man. Oh, yeah. Okay? So, yes, we've lost to Boston in the first round. A lot. Okay, fine. But the point is, is if we're going to get past that first round, I personally want it to be against Boston. Get out of the first round against Boston. Two birds are now stoned at once. And you move on to the second round free of all of this fucking bullshit baggage. No more, okay, the Leafs end up beating X in round one. And now they will face the Bruins. Or they might face the Bruins. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, imagine if we just beat the fucking Bruins in the first round and be done with it. It's over. Don't talk about it anymore. It would be a good time to play the Bruins right now so they could gain some ground on them. I want it. And I think it's uh, the main reason for me is not only because of what you said there. You, you were right with the redemption. I'm talking about that as an organization. But as it relates specifically to the Babcock-Sheldon thing, this happened mid-season here. And Sheldon didn't have all that time, that training camp cuts and you know player meetings and all that bullshit to get together. He had to fucking get on a plane, for God's sakes, and fly out to Arizona to start his coaching career. One that was spiraling out of control. Spiraling out of goddamn control. And, yeah. we, and, he's, and he's reined us in, <clears throat> and now I want to face Boston in the first round. Because the only reason why we lost to Boston in the first round last year was because of Mike Babcock. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how we. I think we phrased Game it when six. it happened. I think that's that's how we phrased it, right? You know, I'm in I'm I'm in my amazing suite in fucking Mexico on an island on Isla Mujeres, having the time of my life and watching us get outcoached so badly. You know, that shit would not happen, man. It just it just simply wouldn't. If we lose to them because they're better than us, then I'll take it. But I well, don't, they're better. They're I don't better. think they are. They're better. Fuck you. They're better until we prove otherwise. Put okay, it that fine. Way. I'll take that. Yeah. I have to take anyway, that. Anyway. I have to take that, but I don't I want like to. I like we found a way to like talk about other teams, but then just put it all into Leaf context throughout that. Well, man, we haven't talked about We haven't talked on the pod for a while. So any one of our non-Leaf fans that don't want to fucking hear us talk about the Leafs, too, too bad. It's too bad, If you're tuned in still on episode 51, you don't care that we talk about yeah, the you're Leafs. Yeah, just, you're just getting informed. nice okay i like it by the Uh, way montreal buried immediately after we said that edmonton is obviously gonna win this game (laughs) it was like maybe 10 seconds after montreal okay so montreal's in a position right now where they need to fucking win games because if they keep going on like they have i think was seven straight after losing to detroit they're not gonna make the playoffs they're not gonna have a shot at making the playoffs i think they're done already and a lot of people have been saying that. Yeah. I've heard that from a few different pundits over the last couple of days. A uh, bit of desperation coming in, bringing in Kovalchuk. Kind of a, a bit of a weird fit, you know, given that they're kind of a trending to be a younger, faster kind of team. But injuries have forced Montreal into a situation where I think they're going to take what they can get. Uh, when they were breaking down Montreal's injuries the other day, uh, Jonathan Duran, Paul Byron, I mean, those are two... Huge pieces of that team. Gallagher had been out of Paul Byron's got to be one of the most underrated fucking players in the NHL. I agree with that. He's an unbelievable player, and and people forget what that guy means to that team. Yeah, I I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I would totally agree I, with I, that. It doesn't seem to be necessarily problems up front. I know with Gallagher being injured, that's when they pulled the trigger on Kovalchuk, and I can understand that. But it seems that they're one of their biggest issues right now is hanging Carey Price out to dry on a nightly basis. And I know he's not playing Carey Price-like numbers right now, but when when your goalie falters, you got to be there to catch him, right? Yeah, you do. And you have to be able to at least outscore your problems once in a while, okay? 
And, you know, again, we bring it back to Leaf Corner, but it's just because of something that we experienced this in the season where there were there were times where we couldn't outscore any problems. And whether is that your fault or is that the team that's playing you? You gotta you gotta be able to give credit to the team that you're playing too, Lesko. Yeah, and I think right? we got stats for that. I mean, you can really True. see how much you know high danger scoring chances you're generating as True. opposed to how many you're giving up. I think True. that's a good indicator of you know that where you can kind of uh, wade through a shot count in a game where it's like you got shot outshot 40 to 20, but you were kind of right there in terms of actual quality scoring chances. Yeah, quality I noticed the yeah. Leafs have won a couple games like that. Um, you know, not to bring it back to them. The other interesting move Montreal pulled, it, it seems like a little minor trade, but they traded Mike Riley, who was kind of on the fringe of their lineup, a uh, little bit of a depth defenseman over to Ottawa. And then they brought in Marco Scandella from Buffalo. Buffalo fans were fucking pissed about this trade. I read Did you some, see that? I read some backlash as well. I saw some people posting jerseys that said fourth round pick on the back of it. Like they're like, <laughs> oh wow, for, I'm real pumped for fourth round pick coming into the system. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to go down to the arena and watch fourth line yeah. fourth, fourth round pick. No, I guess that's all right. You want to try and shore up your defense. I don't think he's gonna make a huge difference on that club. But I like that Mike Riley guy they traded. Have you ever noticed him when when Montreal and uh, Toronto's played? Like he he's can skate. Yeah, and well, Ottawa needs the help more than anybody because of all the fucking injuries they got. Yeah, true. They don't have to play, so they don't have to play Thomas Shabbat for forty minutes a game. <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking beast, man. Oh yeah, talk about him later in our uh, all decade in our all a decade segment, which is a week late, but that's fine, right? Yeah, the decade's officially over now. We had to wait. Oh, until, <laughs> okay. Although I guess that. last week was what? The second and third yeah. was Thursday, Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I dropped the ball, whatever. That's okay. You're right, though. I like that. We had to wait for the decade to finish because there could be a late submission. Yeah. Right? Uh, like like a Barrett Hayden type guy. Yeah, true. You know, making those lists. Yeah, actually, you're right about that because there's no way he fucking, there's no fucking way he would have been on that list. No, right? he wouldn't have been on any of them. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Uh, Laviolette, gone. Predators. Do you know they've only had three coaches in the history of that team? Yeah, that makes sense. This guy who they just hired, Hines? Yeah. He's the third coach in the history of the team, of the franchise. Yeah. What did they come in, 96, I think it was? Yeah. I'm Barry Trotz. I'm pissed off that I can't think of the other one. Barry Trotz, Laviolette, and now Hines. Oh, wait, sorry. So he is the third. Oh, he my is the bad. Third. Sorry, I was trying to think of three. Yeah. I was trying to think of three. I was like, obviously, Trotz and LaViolette, and I couldn't think of the third one. Yeah, so we're like just shy okay. of like 30 years of history in that team, and they've had three coaches. <laughs> now, on the other hand, uh, I've got a good little tidbit for you on Mr. Matt Duchesne. Um, we might have to start calling him noted coach killer Matt Duchesne. Oh, I like where <laughs> this I, is going. I saw a really interesting one oh. uh, earlier. I hope I can fucking find it now that I've teed it up all beautifully. No, of course I can't find it. Whatever. So Matt Duchesne's had something like six coaches or something in the last canned, you know, uh, five years something crazy like that now like all of them fired or he's cycled through a bunch of coaches and several well in amongst being traded around too because he's bounced around from colorado to ottawa to columbus and now to nashville right yeah they said he's had like you know more coaches than seasons he's played in the last little while (laughs) that's pretty good um more on heinz man like i don't want to breeze over that um i think that's weird is that not weird 
that he was fired for what, like three weeks or something? Well, not necessarily his length of, you know, unemployment, but just more so that he, he clearly was doing a pretty poor job in New Jersey and Nashville is in like, Hey, let's get this shit together and fucking win right now mode. Is it not safe to say they're in win now mode? They have been forever. Like they're, they're probably getting close to the point where they're not in win now mode anymore. And then what do they do? Like, are they, are they a relevant team at this point? Let's go. Like, where the fuck is Philip? Man, Forsberg? I didn't realize how far down they were in the standings. And yeah. my, my biggest problem with Nashville is how is a team with that much offensive talent struggle to put up goals? That's what I was just they're, getting they're, at, bro. Like, I they're think fucking two of garbage. Their top Where's five scores, Two of their top five scorers is fucking Yossi and Ellis. I know. I mean, Arvidsson has like 18 points. Milk carton. Milk carton. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's on a milk carton. Fuck. <laughs> no one knows who Philip Forsberg is anymore. And I feel like coming into the last couple of drafts, as far as fantasy is concerned, he probably would have been a fucking second or third rounder. Like, and they added players. I mean, Kyle Turris is a weather third, fourth line fucking center. And these guys can't score goals. You got to figure it out. I understand like Laviolette's been there a long time. They've had some good runs with them. I understand that at every point in time, sometimes it's just not working and things run dry and the coach has got to move on. They all getting fired eventually, right? I'm chirping Forsberg. He, he leads the team in goals. How many goals do you have? 15. 15. 15. Wow. Austin Matthews has 31. <laughs> Nick Benino has 13. Callie Yarncroak has 12. Like Duchesne, 9. Johansson, yeah. 9. Arvidsson, too. Arvidsson, nine. 9. Yeah. Like, you know, not good. Turris, 5 Genos. Not very good season here for Kyle Turris. Kyle Turris wants more money. That's what I always used to say when I'd go to the Sens game. When he was there, because he was like holding out, right? Turris held out from from uh, Phoenix, right? Back when it was Phoenix, that's when he got traded off. Yeah, because he held out and got traded and got traded. And then every time he was there, I was like, Kyle Turris wants more money, like coming down in the shootout. But he was mint, right? And he was actually a good player for the Sens, man. He scored a lot of overtime goals for them, like specifically. He was kind of like the Ottawa Senators version of Steve Thomas. Steve Thomas was unreal, stumpy. Like, no, I don't mean like by how they played i just mean the overtime winners like uh, stumpy thomas had so many clutch overtime winners for the leafs and then Turris was kind of up there as well but yeah man nashville they're brutal i want to ask you about Heinz though like did you like you didn't answer me did you not think that's fucking weird man like i, I guess he, so but he, they have to win they have to score some guy, fucking goals you bring in new jersey's coach this guy paid his dues i think and and He's got a lot of connections to the Nashville organization, which I believe weighs heavily. The old, oh, okay. the old boys network, you know. I didn't know that. Like he was like roommates with fucking the AGM, and he's got some. He's got some inroads with that team. But see, come on, man! Like I had a guy in one of our chat groups there. Uh, he made a good point. He's like, the NHL is going to fall behind if they don't get out of this cycle of coaching, like cycle of coaches garbage. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think. Um, Heinz necessarily deserves the trash and he got over that because I, I know Jersey? I think a lot of people know over the fact that people are like oh yeah there's uh, only 30 qualified coaches in the NHL apparently oh I see okay a lot of people are dunking on that and I get it but look at a lot of the it, it there's always a tur- uh, uh, turnover in the NHL I mean look how many guys 
who are in the NHL right now are on their first or second NHL team. Okay, this yep. guy's coached one team in the NHL. I, I there's no reason. There's nothing you can tell me that that makes me think he doesn't deserve another look with somebody. Now, if my concern though is, like I said, pointed out earlier, the lack of offense. Okay. Well, fucking Taylor Hall had four goals in New Jersey before he was traded. Yeah, four. Okay, if you can't get that guy to score, I don't know what the fuck the problem is. Now, under Heinz, he also had an MVP MVP season, and they went. Uh, had a good playoff or made appearance in the playoffs. Right. So my concern as it relates specifically to John Hines and his well-being is if he can't turn Nashville around, has he effectively tossed his coaching career in the shitter? As long as he doesn't go full horror check. Okay. That's a fair assessment. Like if that's he, a fair comparison. If like shit goes off the rails worse than it already was. Yeah. You're Peter Horacek. Yeah, but what do you mean by worse than it already was? Can it not? Can it not? Like, can it get worse? For well, they're, yeah, they're already. Right I think they're like five or six points out of playoff spot. Last I looked, that's fucking bad for Nashville. That's what I'm saying. Think about that team. They're a perennial playoff team. Even going back to like the the late nineties. I, I know, dude. That's what I'm saying, though. You said you said unless it gets worse. Well, can I it mean, get worse, worse in terms of where they are in the standings? Because <sighs> uh, you know, like going back to the Horacek reference. The Leafs were what two points out of a playoff spot when they fired him. Well, they fucking f- went full, full tank, full tank, basically that year, <laughs> unintentionally, unintentional tank. So if they end up in that fucking territory and you're a cap team like like the Preds, that's well, hot water. Right let me there. just put it to you this way, bro: they're only one point ahead of Chicago. If Which Chicago, is not good, you know, Chicago has more games played, sure, but I don't care. I mean, they're plus one. Chicago's minus fifteen. Chicago's minus 15, Nashville is plus one, and they're still in second last in the fucking division. Yeah, that's a shame. Speaking of unintentional tanking, um, what's going on with the Sharks? I don't know if we had them on the list, but... God damn it, I butchered that Duchesne thing so bad earlier. Why? Okay, so I got it now. I fucking finally found it. It was right in front of my face, too. I'm just scrolling Dude, all you over were the fucking, place. Dude, you were investigating looking oh, for Oh, I was it. upset that I couldn't remember what it was, <laughs> and I completely butchered it. Anyway, Fuck. so he has his... In his 11th season, he's on his eighth coach. Wow. I wasn't even close on the numbers, so I'm glad I found that. No, you weren't. But you, you still made a good point, though. That like he had the, a lot of coaches. Yeah, yeah. The point, <laughs> no, the point I should have just there. said that. Who had a lot of coaches? <laughs> Anyway, um, carry on. What am I going to, what was I doing here? Oh, sharks, bro. I wanted to know what the are, fuck are is they going fucked? on with the sharks. Oh, cause we talked about unintentional tanking. Yeah. They might be in an unintentional tank situation because now you have to check and see if they have their first it is. pick. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's Ottawa's. Ottawa's. It's Ottawa's. Okay. I so knew it. They yeah. really don't want to fucking. That's what I'm out. saying, bro. And we don't want them to fuck up either. Like, no, what we is don't. with the Atlantic Division right now? We're, the Atlantic Division is probably going to get both fucking Lafreniere and Quentin Byfield if he remains in the two spot. I don't know. Okay. They're going to get everyone. And then Ottawa's going to snag up. One of San Jose's awesome picks because San Jose is fucking garbage and they just lost their two best players, right? Who did you say else? Kane is hurt right now, is he not? Yeah. Couture just broke his foot. Yeah, Couture broke his foot. Did Kane get hurt too? 
I don't know. You I thought I thought he I saw a report that he was hurt as well. All I know is that Kane got a fucking hat trick on me in fantasy last week. Yeah, he got one for me. So Oh fuck you. Did he really? Yeah, it was wonderful. Fuck. Really helping me claw my way to the basement. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even deserve him, fuck. No, bro, he's in, man. He's good? Yeah, he's okay. in. You're fucking lying to me. No, I just saw that he like left left the ice or left the game there recently. Kane's not out. All... Kane's not out. Couture is. I out thought they're really fucked. Well, they still are. You lose Logan Couture, you haven't been doing anything, and you lose Logan Couture. It's over. Yeah, like, how, how badly do they want Pavelski back? Yeah, but is that it? Can that be it? It's gotta be a big part of it. Yeah, but I think I was saying but that on one of the podcasts. Drop off. Well, a drop off of Brent Burns as well. Everyone's dropped off. Yeah. I mean, Carlson's putting up half decent numbers, like he wasn't wise. at the start. No, no, he's picked it up. Yeah, you're right. As of late. Okay, great. So what if he what what if he was doing that all year? What if he was you know good consistent ek? Oh, I that's mean, not gonna make. That's no, not I don't. Enough. No, I know it's not, but I think it's a lot better than a star winger being a star winger. A star defenseman being a star defenseman can add structure to your team, and because he starts and drive play more, he starts with the puck. He can rush it in. He can dump it in. Right. A, a star winger just has to be at the hash marks and make sure he's at his point. You know, the defenseman can rove, especially a mobile defenseman like Eric Carlson. He's usually roving anyways. But you you put a guy like EK65 on his game. I think that's I think that does a lot more than just a, a winger or, a, you know, another forward just getting goals. He's just not he wasn't playing up to his up to his potential. He has turned back into a, a better version of himself lately. But yeah, Burns, Milk Carton, you know, nobody. Martin That's Jones. That's a huge drop off. Martin Jones and Aaron Dell. Like if you're banking on that every year, that's a big hole. Not getting it done. They need to pick it up. I need to I need to see the Sharks pick it up because I I can't uh, I don't want to be seeing an, an Ottawa first round pick two of them. Most definitely not. Now we got to start cheering against Ottawa again, caring cuz they could get you No, know, we want to cheer yeah, cheer for them, right? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, we want to cheer for them. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Which they've been at least um, giving their fans something this year. Oh, they are like they're They're an entertaining team. Yeah. They play pretty wide open hockey, which I think is good for, for some of the young guys on the team. Brady Kachuk's a fucking treat out there. Yeah, I got Thomas him. Shabbat's a I got beauty. him in fantasy. They're and... getting some stellar goaltending out of that Nielsen character, oh, too. Oh, yeah. And the Duke, right? Like, Duke Claire just killing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we did talk about him quite a bit last show, and, and he's been fantastic. Injured, unfortunately, but will be headed I think he's to the back, All-Star yeah. game. He thinks he's going to be able to go. Yeah, going to the All-Star game, yeah. too. I think that's pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, that is. Uh, do you want to fly into some Leafs? Yeah, sure. We can do that. Very good. I wanted to... Uh, Very good. I w- <laughs> <laughs> Very well, then. <laughs> I wanted to kick it off with uh, with my tweet of the week. Which, yeah, all you did was put tweet of the week. I don't even get to see what it is. Oh uh, yeah, I know. So it's, it's just better this suspense? way. Oh, it's always oh, better this way. You get the okay. you get to just react to okay, it. Okay, fine. Hit time. me with the the tweet of the week. So there is a um, there's some guys I follow on Twitter, and they were somebody had found a Leafs former Leafs great defenseman Danny Markov on Twitter. Oh man. Sorry to interject, but the Danny Markov that I know, the only thing that I remember about Danny Markov, can you guess what it is? What? The salute. Oh, when he was saluting Yager when they beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs? What was that, like 01, oh, 2000? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, like yeah. 
So him and Dimitri Skavich, if you're as old Dimitri. as us, great, uh, great first pairing for the Maple Leafs back in the day and some of those old uh, playoff runs that they had. I loved you, Skavich. But there were some people having a uh, a conversation where, where somebody says, Trevor Daly once told me that Sergei Zubov smoked in the shower. So somebody was talking about this like Hall of Fame because Zubov's going to the Hall of Fame. And somebody commented and said, Russians are the best. And then somebody else commented on it and said, well-known lore in St. John's that when Danny Markov played for the Baby Leafs, he used to put on skate guards and a coat and meet all the other smokers outside gate three in the intermission, come back inside, come back inside crush a Pepsi, and back on the ice for the next period. <laughs> what? <laughs> now, is this like an actual thing or is this just a funny joke that someone made? No, this is like a, a, a guy telling, telling a story, I guess some guy who used to go to, to when the Marlies of Philly yeah. or, or not the Marlies. I think they were the St. John's Maple Leafs yeah, or whatever they were. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're, we're over in, in Newfoundland. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was a funny story. And then next thing you know, some people had found him on Twitter and he full on like confirmed. That's what I was asking. Yeah. For. So it is a thing. Yeah. I found him on Twitter. He's got like less than a thousand followers. Like, what? I don't think anyone really knows. Yeah. He's not like, throwing a lot of shit out there or anything. No, but, no, no, true, true. But he, somebody had found him and like he had kind of like confirmed and told some other interesting stories. So hey, there's some look interesting... Up, look, look up that fucker. Sorry, there's some interesting breaking news that we can put on the uh, pod. It's not like crazy breaking news or anything, but I just read down at the bottom there that the Montreal Canadiens will decide what their game plan is at the All-Star break. Their game plan? What does that mean? Just to jump into it, just the because they, they, they just threw it at us. Like their game plan, meaning like what's the plan for the remainder of the season here? Like what if they continue to slide for the next cup for the next few games here, let's say, or whatever. They go just gonna they shut go everyone down. Two, and two, two, five, and two or something. You shut know? everyone down and go tank. Really though? Like is that where we're at now in the sport? Is is just is just, you know, shutting her down and it seems the teams want the drop picks so badly that they're there's a lot of it's talent. It's like they out don't want to be in the middle ground. You shouldn't want to be in the middle no, you ground. Shouldn't. For fuck's sake, we were we were there for eleven years. Sucks dick for the fans if they decide they're not going to fucking compete for a playoff spot. <laughs> we were there for eleven fucking years. We know all about that. Fuck. Anyway, that's pretty interesting, though. Yeah, I thought that was a funny story. Oh, the Markov thing. Sorry, I was talking about halves, but yes, the Markov yes. thing is amazing. I would have been balls deep into the fucking replies trying to just because you know someone else is like is is going to pick up their phone and be like. Used to go to games. Can confirm this yeah, is true. Was hacking darts with them <laughs> out by gate three in '97 or whatever. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, nice, good tweet of the week. I like it. Yeah. So I'll tee things off. Get in a little bit of leaf talk here. Um, they played a, a lot, quite a few games. Given that the holiday break was in amongst our break mm-hmm. from the podcast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, rattle off a lot of wins. Seven one and things two have since continued. our last episode. You know, we have a little bit of a. Bigger sample size. I think the record is 15, 6, and 2 under Sheldon Keefe right now. Correct. Um, really a flip to switch on on things like the power play, the penalty kill. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I've been impressed for sure. It's been exciting hockey. There seems to be a lot of buzz in the building right now. It's been loud as fuck at games, at home games, it sounds like. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I uh, was watching the game here uh, last night. Kirsty was in and out, and one of the points where she was uh, in the room just watching briefly with me, I was like, "Babe, look at!" I was like, "Look at, look at the hundreds, like look at the look at the first like twenty, thirty rows of the of the hundy level here. It's all fucking jerseys now, and it was never like that, man. It was it was 
like there was jerseys and stuff, but it was like suits and a lot of the times you'd see some empty seats in, well, the, in the hundreds for because instance, yesterday it was all just work tickets and shit. Yesterday the game against Winnipeg, that whole building was standing. I know. The last minute or so. I know. And then in awesome. the OT. Yeah, it was very it, it, cool. It is, dude. It's really, I said, I was like, I said to Kiersey, I was like, honestly, before, like the team was just, not only were they not really that great, they weren't. And they weren't worth the money, man. No, not not at all. That's why, especially I, uh, when you when we know what it looks like right now to have an exciting hockey team on the ice and marketable stars. Yeah, but like that's why the only time I really dropped the cash on on going to a game it was our first home game in fucking ten years when we made the playoffs uh, in 2013. There, I went to game three, and it was just because my buddy and I had a pact. We said, all right, we haven't been in the playoffs in fucking eight or nine years at this time when we made the pact. I was like, next next time the Leafs make the playoffs, like let's start saving now and we'll be able to spend four or five, four or five hundred dollars on Should tickets. Should have the money by then. Yeah, you know, and, and there's lo and behold, a few years later we make it and we said, Hey man, we should do this, you know, and he's like, Yeah, let's do it. So I don't even remember how much it cost us, fucking three hundred and fifty bucks or something. It was expensive, but like it was awesome. We were in the building and that's all we wanted to do. And then we saw the building. Like we saw the building in playoff mode. Well, there's no reason why the building can't be in playoff mode all the fucking time. But you need a really exciting product that wins hockey games in order to do that. And that is what we have now. And it, so it what, brings me back doing. to what Sheldon said early on when I think he was only coached for like a week or two at this time when he had that quote where he said, we are excited to have a product that we will put on the ice that fans will be excited to pay to come and watch us play. I thought that was a very strange quote and it's really coming true. As I see the hundred level section of the ACC or excuse me, the Scotiabank arena, formerly the ACC is decked with blue and white people, jerseys standing up and fucking cheering and clapping and like hugging people and shit. Like you, you never saw that before. It was always just guys in suits and they'd zoom in on them and they'd be drinking their beer and they wouldn't even be caring. Now they zoom in on these fans in the hundred level section and there's kids there and there's like teenagers, older guys with beards that are drinking pints. Like it's just, it feels more like a hockey atmosphere down there. And I'm excited to fucking get down to a game again. Yeah, I mean, the, the product on ice has been nothing short of exciting. I mean, that game, I guess, was the last one right before the break. I, I think it was the uh, next-gen game oh. against the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, I had to have a little mail-it-in day. Uh, it was uh, like, you know, I think it was the day before Christmas Eve, that game, right? Yeah. I, I streamed it in the afternoon at work, and I'd kind of tuned out a little bit and had was away from my desk for a while and then came back and... I actually end up staying late because the game was still going on after 4:30 to watch it. Cause like I can't, I can't stop watching this game because uh, <laughs> it was just mind blowing what was happening. It was it eight was six? Crazy. I think it was the final score. Eight six. Just fucking incredible hockey game. Incredible. We were we were winning clearly. Um, it was kind of the situation where we were like, oh man, this. It is was ex- awesome and embarrassing and amazing <laughs> all in one. It was the epitome of an emotional roller coaster. It's exactly what it was. Because the last time we played the Hurricanes in the Next Generation game, I believe it was the same thing. It might even have been last year. That was the last time they'd scored seven goals they or something dummied like that. Them. Yeah, they crushed them. And I think the Carolina Hurricanes sent out a tweet. Like, when it was 3 nothing Leafs, in five seconds, it was 3 nothing Leafs, and the Hurricanes Twitter feed released a tweet that said, uh, no more afternoon games. And then I think they doubled down on the tweet later 
and said, "We love afternoon games." When they <laughs> when they took the when fucking they were up like five three they or took whatever the lead. it was. Yeah, and then it was just like, man, oh man, what a stupid game this is, man. How could I go from being so excited? To being so fucking so mad, and basically what it is, bro. At this point in time, and everyone was nailing it on Twitter. It was like, "Hey, next generation, welcome to life as a Leaf fan. Get fucking ready for it. Ready to be way up on top of the mountain and then fall all the way down to the bottom of the mountain, or or, or be so close to the top of the mountain and fucking fall all the way down." Like, do you like being super excited and then punched in the stomach repeatedly? Because this is the team for you. It would be like someone. It would be like having someone tell you the funniest joke you've ever heard, and then while you're laughing hysterically, shot kick your you grandmother in the, fucking, in the face. No, kick you in the <laughs> fucking pills. Here, yeah, because you're laughing and having a great time, and now I'm kicking you right in your pills. Yeah, and it's over. Feel? No more laughing. <laughs> like because that was me sitting in that fucking chair watching that TV and being like ah ha, ha, we're the fucking best yeah and then scores scores five in a row and I'm like what the fuck like I don't even want to do this anymore and then we come back and win so I don't know it does it does kind of go to show you too though we were talking about World Juniors earlier let's go how anything can happen and whatever like this Leaf team is never out of a game anymore. I don't I don't think I'm going to catch myself being like, "Oh, we're fucked or oh, that's it, game over, pack it in." I don't know. I don't it's going to take a I lot. I haven't turned one off in a long time. Yeah, it's going to take a lot for me to be like When they got dusted done. earlier in the season, I think I turned one off, but seldom seldom have I done it over over the last 4 years, I guess, 4 seasons. Yeah. Um a couple of things I've really liked is the fact that the Leafs are bringing some guys up and and giving them looks at the NHL level. We're getting a little bit of a sample to see, you know, what guys like Mason Marchman are are, are worth. Um, you know, like Pierre Engvall being an incredible revelation for the team. Like That's how it started. I, I believe he is he is fully surpassed like Trevor Moore in the depth chart. Uh, that's uh, a Timoshov little, as well. But that's a little unfair because Moore is pretty damn effective and he's been out for a while. Absolutely, but look at what Engvall can contribute. He's, I think, he's just more well-rounded as a player, and plus, he he has that size that I. And I'm not trying to overrate size or anything here, but it's something that they don't have a ton of, yeah, especially true. in that bottom six. No, that's fair. But it's more about the offensive upside, I think, with with Engvall is why I think he's more appealing of a player right now. Yeah, oh, I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I I, I don't want to I don't want to accelerate. You know, or I guess I shouldn't say accelerate. I don't want to just throw him way ahead of the uh, the Trevor Moores of the world on the depth chart. Trevor Moore, he hasn't had the opportunity to prove his worth on this new team also. And when right. I say new team, I mean... Right, he's been show. out, he's been injured essentially since since the shit went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's unfortunate. I feel for a guy like that, man, because, you know, we're, we're doing it right now. We're talking about it on the Pucks and D podcast, and we're saying... You know, Pierre Engvall, what a guy. He came in, got a shot, and grabbed a hold of the fucking Moose's balls, and now he's right in there. You know, like he's a he's a staple now. He's not going anywhere, bro. Yeah, there's not there's not a chance. There's not a chance. Not a chance. Like and, he... and poor Trevor Moore is over there thinking, man, oh man, if I didn't get hurt and I was on my fucking game, I could, I could have I thrived could, in this I environment. I could be killing it. Yeah. I, I like how they are bringing these guys up, though, and giving them a look. Uh, it, it's really nice to see... And and as a fan, to kind of get a feel of, of what they've got in the pipeline, and and I think it's what it's shown us that that they have done a good job of of developing and bringing some guys in that 
that are going to have to fill these fill these voids. Well, because I think the emergence of some of these guys, and and there's been some talk a little bit of, of uh, right now in in the Leaf circles, that how how good you know Mikheyev is and Engvall is. That, what, how many? How many more of these guys need to come up before, say, an uh, Andreas Janssen or Kasper Kapanen becomes expendable? I hope soon. I do personally. I hope soon because you can have two point, of these guys for the price of one of them. I was just going to say, and not to we say that th- those are bad contracts on either of those guys. But when you're a cap team, you're a cap team, and any, no, any actually, cap space you can get. Like if you had to choose, say, between Andreas Janssen and Kapanen or signing Muzzin. Sign Muzzin. Yeah, same. Right? Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Like, you alluded to saying it's not to say that they're bad contracts. It's the opposite, Lesko. Those contracts are amazing. Yeah, I think they're good value deals. They're amazing. Yeah. They're amazing value deals. And But if you can get that out of a, a Pierre Engvall or something, or you think you can. For cheaper. Yeah. We need the money. Yeah. If you, if you think you're going to be able to get it out of a guy who makes, you know, half that money, then you got to do that. Speaking of Ilya Mikheyev... Um, Terrible what happened to that guy. I had no idea it was as bad as it was until looking at the pictures online. There's some people post some stills there of how badly he was leaking. Oh my God, dude. I just seem to no one knew what had really happened to him at the time. And I was listening to the game on the radio, actually. So oh, okay. I, I didn't get a good idea of what had happened either. And they didn't really seem to know. I was watching and um, all I saw, like I didn't see it happen. It, no one, I don't think anyone saw it happen. It was just a thing. And, um, you know, he's, I saw him skate back to the bench in a hurry. That's where I saw, like, first figured there was a real problem there. And, um, again, Kirsty walks into the room, and I'm like, oh, man, babe, I think some guy just got, like, cut or whatever. And it was right by the face-off circle and, and then over towards the bench. And the camera just happened to be there. And Kirsty goes, oh, my God. She's like, I think that's an artery. Yeah. And I was like, how the fuck do you know? And she's like, she's like, rewind it. And I can, you know, we round it. And she's like, look at the blood. Like it wasn't dripping. It wasn't, blood didn't drip onto like, the ice. It was fucking sprayed yeah, onto yeah. the ice. So, and apparently it was both. It was Yeah, tendon, so he had, he had a tendon and, and artery. a artery repaired because of that laceration to his hand. What a terrible setback for a guy who's you know just trying to make a name for himself in the nhl he was killing it uh, he's been he's been phenomenal and you know i uh, i hope to god he makes it back this season and and you know somehow at least find a way to retain this guy as well because i think the best is still yet to come with a player like mikhaev agree and i i think we're we're missing out by not not having him play for the team right now, but not getting to see him play either. No, but I mean, it could be a great option for us coming down to the stretch run, you know, around playoff time. I don't know what his rehab is going to be like and what his, what his capabilities are going to be in terms of, you know, returning to the ice, being able to handle the puck, shoot the puck, all that different stuff. But if he, you know, miraculously becomes available to the team, uh, that's a good problem to have. I think right there. He definitely has a lot of upside and, and I think, one of those guys who's just gotten better every game, uh, whether whether or not he's he's putting up points, I think he's just he just seems like the type of guy who's who's got a good nose for the game. He's got the he's got the skill set, and you know I th- he seems like the, a player who who's definitely made a very 
impressive transition over to the NHL. Yeah, it's not often that you see the success stories, but I think it's safe to say that this is one of them. Like I you found money. Yeah, I don't I don't think that a guy like Ilya Mikheyev will have a strong season like this and then fall off the face of the earth. I think the only way that that happens, unfortunately for him, it could happen is if he were to be dealt and if he got if he, if he got dealt to a team where he was definitely going to be a uh, let's say they trade him to a team and based on his results in Toronto, um, I don't know, I guess in this hypothetical, let's go, let's say he never got hurt and he was playing great. And for some reason we ended up fucking dealing him. I don't know why. If he went to that team and was looked at to be a top line scorer, it's not going to happen for him. Right. He's going to bounce down, bounce down, be in the third, fourth line, not even be a factor. And then before you know it, the Ilya Mikheyev experiment is over. He's in a great situation. You're right. He like, is. Yeah. Where he's playing right now in Toronto. Play with John goddamn Tavares. So we wish him all the best, absolutely. Um, real quick, is uh, Justin Hall got the extension? Got a good, good value deal on this guy. Was it two mil? Uh, apparently, fringe NHLer, pro, you know, probably can play five to six games for you a season. I think. Uh, you know, what do you think, Mike? Oh, I see. <laughs> I was like, "What are you fucking saying right now?" And then just before you asked me about, was before you called me Mike, I was like, oh, "I think I know what he's doing here." Like, yeah, okay, guys, fucking scratched seventy-one times, and he has looked like I. Let's go. Is it safe to say at this point that he's been one of our best defensemen? Yeah, other than Muzzin, you could say. Defensively, yeah. One one Absolutely. of the best. I didn't yeah. say the best. Yeah, yeah. One of our best defensemen. Yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, he hustles into corners. He makes strong plays. Um, yes. Strong skater. Strong skater, yes. He Heads will up. make mistakes. Find me a defenseman in the NHL that doesn't yeah. make any mistakes. Well, fuck. Him and Marty Marincin is not a thing. No. Marty Marincin is a boat anchor. Oh, At least God. when it comes to breakouts. You, you notice he's, he's a pretty big guy, right? He makes some good plays with a stick. You know... He gets in guys' ways, but he's slow skater, and holy fuck, he can't break out. Him and CC last night were fucking lost in their own end. Here, you you get it out. No, you get it out. No, you get it out. I don't know what is going on with them when they just hang on to it. Just flip it. Use the glass. I know they're supposed to do something with it, but you're right. If you fucking can't and... Sorry, guys. And I'm I, not good enough. Here I'm I go gonna, off the window. I'm not going to fully throw them under the bus because one of the th- problems over the last couple of games is is the forwards exiting the zone too early. But if you're not moving the puck quick enough, that's gonna that's inevitably going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And those and y- guys don't move the puck well. So I guess as a forward, you have to compensate for that a little bit. But when you're coming back and you're curling into the zone and that defenseman doesn't make the pass when he's supposed to, all of a sudden you're in a suicide position yeah. or you're, you're, uh, there's a guy in between you or somebody in the lane. I, I agree with you that maybe the players, like the forwards, excuse me, should, should have an adjustment maybe. But also, man, I, I kind of want to argue that point because if I'm out there to score some fucking goals and I've got a lane right here, man, you need to give it to give me, me now. Like and when Matthews I, taps a stick, give that guy the fucking yeah, puck. The puck. I don't care who you are, where you are. Yeah. When he's tapping a stick, try for it. And we've seen several occasions too where he's tapped a stick, tap, tap, puck on a stick, goal. Gone. Goal. Yeah. Oh, and we, man. we haven't even touched base on some of the nasty ass goals that guy's putting just, up lately. I was just going to say that fucking. So he's on pace for what, a cool like 58 goals 50, or something yeah, right now? 50, I was going to say 57, maybe. Yeah. I say he does it. I don't know about that. I mean, I think, I, I, I think at this point, 
50 is a lock. He's playing next level right now, but he was very quiet in that Edmonton game. Now, it was revealed today, for those of you who didn't catch it. Yeah, I don't like to hear this. Chris what Johnson, are you telling me right 100%. now? What is this? He's not healthy? Apparently, he's not 100%. What is it? Tell we me We don't more. know. We have no idea what it is. Now, we found out that Morgan Riley, conveniently after McDavid made him look like a beer leaguer. Oh, what a goal. That was so fucking it wasn't nasty. Even the, it wasn't even the goal, how he put it in, man. It was the look it was off. the juke. It was the look off. Yeah, it was the juke. I'm going this way. I'm he going just, this way. Like, like, he, he waited for Riley to make that little bite in the middle, and he fucking... He got him. Yeah, but I can't blame Riley for biting to the no, middle. No, absolutely not. McDavid who, never who looked would have, like... The only thing I, I thought about it, what, and some people brought up this question. I think it was uh, uh, JT Bourne there, Justin Bourne, sorry, on uh, on the Athletic and Sports Center, whatever he does. But he said, what could he do in that situation? I'm thinking the only thing he could have done Take him was down. step up into him when he wasn't looking. Now, good luck, because knowing McDavid, he would see him in the peripherals, spin around him, and fucking get by. <laughs> but that was probably your only option there. He's not looking at me right now. I'm going to step up into him and try and try and hit him. I That's take probably a- the only thing you could have done. Because I- Riley was doing what most people do when, they play against a, uh, when they're trying to defend against a fast player like that. They're just minding the gap. Just yeah. stay in front of him. Just yeah, stay in true, front of him. Just stay in front of him. I-, I-, I take him down. I mean, I would have been okay with Riley taking him down there. I probably would have been like... I probably would have been like, holy fuck, Riley, again, you know? He'll just hack the bone when he gets by you like that? Oh, yeah. he Like, once he got beat there, I think there was a last-ditch effort where he could have just... Riley's a lefty, right? So he when he got beat and twisted over, he would have had the ability to just take his legs out, just chop yeah. his legs out. It wouldn't have been a penalty shot. The separation that McDavid got in, from Riley biting a little towards the middle, though, and him stepping out like that it was crazy he got a lot of separate and those quick steps i mean that's what you know one of the things that make makes mcdavid so great well it's one those quick steps that's what separates him right right that's i mean a lot of speed in a lot of guys is in in acceleration is in the technique and the strength of your 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 strides yeah your takeoff um yeah so the like touching on the riley thing here I, I can't remember how long ago it was. I feel like it was a few episodes ago. I had, I had said that they should be releasing some report, even if it's bullshit. Even if it's bullshit and he's 100% healthy. The PR team needs to do some work here. Now's because the he's time. getting fucking raked. Now's the time. And if he's playing, He was already through, getting raked pretty hard. Yeah, I too. know. But if he's getting... Man, if he is dealing with a lower body injury, then why does he have the worst step-ups in the NHL? Why does he have the worst step-ups... In the fucking league, when you're when you're basically supposed to be backing up towards your blue line because they're coming out, Riley comes flying out of the fucking screen. <laughs> Riley comes flying off my television screen out he of nowhere. Never was great at. I think we talked about this before. Yeah, as we well, did. But, I know we uh, already beat the dead horse, but he comes out of nowhere and and goes with the fucking stick yeah. and we tries talk- to disrupt the breakout. It, the, the breakout is done, Mo. We're vind- the Pucks and Deep podcast has been vindicated again, though, because I believe when we spoke about Riley and kind of what's up with Riley the last time we talked about him, I speculated that he was injured, and so this is not surprising to me, and probably not surprising to anyone. He didn't practice for like a month. Back in November. Yeah, we did talk about that. And I remember saying that I'm worried that it's a serious thing. I'm worried that it's going to be a thing where um, we can't shut him down now because he'll be done for the season. But he can take off-season surgery. Like, are they at a point where they can start setting him down a little bit? 
like like or, the, or like they load calcu- management. I, or I wonder if they calculate it and say, yeah, it's not worth suiting him, sit him down for a game or two because it's not going to do it. He needs to be out for like months. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Right. So like, if they could have made that decision in November. But I don't know. I guess maybe they couldn't let's go because of how bad the fucking they couldn't start then was. and they can't now because they don't have fucking Muzzin, right? It's tough. I, I, mean, I don't right like now, it. Right I don't now, like the, it. without having Jake Muzzin, really exposes this team's defense. Yes. Now and there's a lot of clamoring. I know in circles to bring up Rasmus Sandin, which I'm a fan of as well. I, I'm a fan of whatever gets Marty Marinson back in the press box. To be honest, my my worry about uh, Sandin specifically, and and you'll have to forgive me, Lesko. I don't know what the rules are exactly, but I'm I'm wondering if the team might be a little hesitant to bring up Rasmus Sandin and burn one of those years as it relates to the expansion draft. If we don't bring him up, he will officially be a first or second year pro who is automatically unavailable for the expansion draft. He's automatically protected as a first or second year. But if we bring him up, this year is one, next year is two, and then the draft. So I don't know what the rules are. I'd like someone smarter dra- than me. Drafts in 2022? The expansion draft is in the summer of 2021. So this season, 1920, would be the first one. And then 2021 would be his second year as a pro. And then the expansion draft would occur. And he would maybe be selected. Yeah. I don't think he would be selected. We would, we would have to protect him. Sorry, that's what I'm saying. Right. We would have to protect him. Whereas, he wouldn't be exempt. Yeah. Whereas if we don't call him up right now. So guys on ELCs are exempt? Yeah. E- yeah. No, not ELCs. First and second year pros. Okay. Oh, but maybe See, he would be a third year I, pro. I thought I about know. that too. And I thought... And also, it's a similar situation what they ended up with William Nylander. They burned a year of his ELC, uh, playing him basically in meaningless hockey games uh, when they were in full tank that year. Oh, no. They they flirted with it and then so set them down, that's, right? That's how, no, but that's how they ended up in a bit of the contract situation with William Nylander, is that they burned his first year, and that's how he ended up up for contract. They did right? burn his yeah, first year? Yeah, they did burn his first year. Because he played like the end of that year. I remember year. that tank and we called up a bunch of guys and we started winning hockey games, which was exciting. But yeah. it was like, yo, like fucking yeah. stop. So anyway, uh, if <laughs> I thought, I think it was James Myrtle when I was reading one of his articles made a good point though, that maybe the organization needs to shift gears in a little bit in that we got to do what's best for this team right now, because this should be considered a contending year. Windows we, open. We can't, They the Leafs can't just just right off the year because things aren't working out on the back end or they're unable to acquire someone because that's what a lot of people are, are, are calling for right now is they got to do something to address the deficiencies on the back end. Yeah, you're right. No team can do that. The only team that can do that is the team that has all of their core players locked up to 12-year deals. That's, that's the only team that could maybe do that. If you had all of your core players for a fucking decade, Okay, fine. We can throw a year or two out of the win- out the window here, but in this day and age, dude, with all the five and six and even eight year deals, you can't do that. You need to win while your players are not only on your team but in their prime on your team, and that's what we have right now. We have a bunch of star players that are either in their prime or entering their prime, which means our window is open. You non Leaf fans or Leaf haters that are listening can laugh all you want. I don't mean that they're going to win, even though I think they are. Uh, <laughs> all I'm saying is the window is open. Even any objective fan. Well, if can you're tell the, you. if you're management, you have to view it as we expected 
to contend this year and we're not just going to let it go away because we want to let ideally the plan sure is was to maybe let Sandine percolate in the minors for another year but if something happens at the NHL level that requires you to call him up you can't hold back just because you're concerned about something in 2022 true because right now we're playing for 2020 yeah, I agree. I think that's all that really matters. Yeah, I agree. I know you got to have long-term planning and all that shit, especially with the cap, but there's certain situations, and I think this is this is a good example of one where you got to go, this is this season. We need to win games this season. What's going to give us the most chance to win games this season? And if that's bringing Sandine up in the lineup, then fucking do it. Where do you think he would play? Like, what, like, like top pair, second pair? Like, how does he... With Muzzin in, he plays third pair. Yeah, he continues to play third pair. They they introduce him. They shelter his minutes. Six games. I guess the challenge is that it, he ends up playing with Cece. Ugh. I'll give Keith credit though. He's been fairly creative. We've seen some interesting combinations, and we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of changes on the fly. We've seen him sit Matthews down when he needed to be sat. He sat down with Nylander, and how did Nylander respond? He's been phenomenal. Well, he's also playing with John Tavares. And I fucking love that because <laughs> everyone helps. was afraid of splitting up the Mariner-Tavares combo, right? Why, Because though? it worked so well. And, every, and everyone loves Nylander and Matthews because it's worked for years. Right. Right? Yeah, it's fair. But I, I really like how, how this is blossomed because I think we all knew Ma- Mariner-Matthews would work out, but I don't know if we if the fan base was necessarily sold on Nylander-Tavares. And it's worked fantastic. It has worked fantastic. Actually, Tavares is, or I shouldn't say has. That last game was not great. Wow. What a bad game. Wow. I said to He Kier- knew it too. I said to Kirstie, I was like, he's having troubles at home. He's arguing with Aaron. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> You're going right to the personal stuff. Like, I don't know what else oh, to do. This is what it's got to be. You know the what baby's I, keeping him but, up at but, night. Yeah, but you know what I said to Kirstie? Like, we laughed. It was a joke, but... I kind of was like, you know what though? I don't, maybe I'm not crazy on this. Like if you had a regular job that you went and did the same thing every day, you put numbers in or you made phone calls or whatever your job was, if it was just a job to you, it wasn't like your, your life goal, the thing you wanted to do since you were a little kid. If you just go to work and you had a really bad day, is it really, is it really going to affect the, the work that you do? That's the same every time, probably not that badly, but if you play a game like hockey, like some physical ass and you're out fucking of it. game, like you're not, and you're out of it, man. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna reflect your play. You're yeah. gonna, you're gonna give it up. You're gonna be mad. You're gonna take a stupid fucking penalty, you know. And then on the way to the penalty box, you're gonna tell the ref that he's a fucking cocksucker, and then he gives you two more in a ten, and then you're off. And you're like, what the fuck happened to this guy? Well, like he's not feeling it. Having I, some fucking difficulty. No, I think JT's been phenomenal since uh, Keith took over. It seems he's not. Playing as conservative, I got to dump the puck in type hockey that I think Babcock really had them playing. It seems that he's been a lot more creative, um, opens up a lot of space for a shooter like Nylander. You know, he, he'll put, if you're in the right place, he'll, he'll put the puck on your tape. But yeah, I kind of a pedestrian last couple games. And I think what I was most, I know he's not been in cast in so much of a hard match defensive role ever since Keith got here, but they really needed him to keep McDavid a little bit in check. And he, he, the only time I noticed Tavares in that game was when he was behind McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. He made that bad pinch on the, uh, was it the go ahead goal where McDavid carried the puck up, slow it up and then fed it across to the point. 
uh, uh, Tavares was was high in the zone. He was the the third forward in the zone, and he goes in to try and intercept a play, and ends up completely missing it. McDavid goes up and fucking Edmonton scores. For anyway. some reason, I can't remember the play. The only play I can I can remember because it was ingrained into my fucking eyeballs was when Barry made that sick play to stop a breakaway, and then Tavares was like, oh, here, I'll just I'll give him a breakaway. <laughs> like, Barry made a nice play, man. He was like, pissed, too. He kind of eh? fell over or whatever, and he made a nice play to, you know how you flip your stick around, and you can, I don't know why they do that. Matthews did that one time. He flipped his stick around and ended up tipping it top shelf. Yeah. And Barry flipped his stick around and was able to corral it for a moment to get it away from from the breakaway and then Tavares got it and I was like all right we're out of the fucking woods here and then Tavares gives it away for a fucking breakaway and at that point I'm just like man like JT like what are you doing and that's funny eh let's go like you're a guy like John Tavares and you're not allowed to have one bad game no it's some, I saw a good tweet earlier that said you're apparently in this city you're only as good as your last two games yeah because <laughs> people are like what's wrong with John Tavares like you had a back fucking couple games like, yeah fine it, it happens you, you get a hat I mean? trick next now game. The team, I would say, they, they showed a little bit more resiliency in life in the game against the Jets, I'd say, than they did against the Oilers. Um, they were yes. horrendous against the Oilers. The, what the first period is probably one of the worst periods I've seen them play all fucking season. Um, they just didn't seem to have it, though, both nights. And I think some of that is a little bit on the defense. You know, I, I think... And we, this is not new or anything. We've known for quite a while that there's been some issues, some holes in the back end. But like I said, it's after after a while now without Muzzin. It, you know, some of these guys are playing minutes they've never played before at the yeah, NHL that's a, level. Yeah, that's a good point too. That's fair. Um, and without without Riley being a hundred percent and obviously not playing a hundred percent, it fucking it it leaves a lot to be desired back there now. I'm a little critical of the whole, oh, you can't score your problems, need defense, need defense. Yeah, pretty much hockey is outscoring the other team last I fucking checked. And I agree with that. It seems to be working well for them. That's fine. You know, I'm not going to sit there and talk about, you know, like Babs and say they got to win games one nothing. Hey, here. man, there are 6-5 games in the playoffs. But there are games where if you're not, if you're not doing the right things, if your defensemen are not breaking the puck out and you're not getting out of your zone and you're wasting... And I've mentioned this before. I hate when Austin Matthews out for a 30-second shift and they don't get the fucking puck. I know. I it drives me crazy. It does drive me crazy. Because I'm like, that's a waste. It what was, a waste. I said that out loud last game. I was like, what a fucking waste of this Matthews shift. Because he's just circling. <laughs> yeah, he's just circling in his own zone. Um, speaking of the Edmonton game quickly, I wanted to ask you, I think I have it in the prep somewhere. I don't know if you ended up seeing it, but um, what'd you think of the Freddie poll? Like, I liked it for from uh, from the sheer perspective of a shot in the arm to the team. And I think that's what it was intended to be. It was. Yeah, cuz he went over and talked to him right away and But then my question is is am I crazy for am I crazy for wanting Freddie to have gone back in? I was thinking the same thing. I thought I thought they had they got They'd back shown in. that they they were ready to play. We're going to play. And then he should have thrown him back in for yes, the third. Yes, I yes. I agree. If not before then. Now it sounded like based on what Keith said following the game was that he kind of ended up factoring a load management type thing here. He was like, all right, this is an opportunity for him to have a night off. Oh, so he did address the idea of putting him back in? I believe so, yeah. Oh, I didn't he, catch he that. He said that load like management that. had factored into his decision. Because because my problem, dude, is I, I felt 
I wanted Freddie back in the moment that we scored our first goal to make it 3-1. See, I thought going in the third period. Now, I don't think it cost them the game or anything. I think it may have. See, I, I got to give Hutchinson some credit because I think we had pretty much written him off as, as Sharts 2.0 and he was gone. Like, oh, no. I thought, and maybe had Chubb not come around and given him a second chance, he might have been gone. That, yeah, that's fair. But he's I'm, played well enough, I'd say, for the Leafs lately. I still don't trust him necessarily. Yeah. No, but, I, I, I'm not. I'm not pinning the loss on him. Of course, it's not. But I'm also not pinning it on Freddie. That was my point. Was I didn't think any of the goals. No, were no, fault. and I and I don't think I don't think Anderson thinks that. I don't think Keith. No. Keith I'll, probably made a, a strong point of communicating that to him. That's yeah. not because you don't have it. It's because these guys in front of you don't. But have all it. I'm saying is, I think we have a much much better shot at two points getting into a shootout at the OK Corral with the Winnipeg Jets. With Freddie in the net. Even if Freddie's going to give up four, five, yes. or six, he's going to make four, five, or six big ones to keep us in it. And it's up to the guys to say, all right, Fred doesn't have it tonight. We got to pick it up. Well, they didn't, Lesko. So the yank pull happened, and it was a shot in the arm to the team. And then was it Marner scored? Did Marner score the first one? Marner was involved. He might have set it up. Whatever happened, we scored quickly. Or no, it went off of Angville Skate or something like that. Something crazy. Anyway, whatever happened, uh, we scored right away to make it 3-1, right after we pulled Freddie. Boom, throw him back in there because now we're in a 3-1 hockey game. Fred, you were pissed off. You smashed your bucket. Well, here you go. Get the fuck back in there and win this hockey yeah, game. Yeah, he's got to have the cool down period though because he was mad too, True. right? Yeah, so, and I'm, I'm, I think the third is the, the way to would, do it. would have been good it's too. It's not super common, but I'm a believer of it, especially in a situation where you did pull the goalie because of not because of his play. Yes. Because you still trust him in the net. You're not worried about how he's doing tonight. Yeah, I'm not saying by any means should you ever put a goalie back in who just let in just got three, ripped on. <laughs> three goals on four shots and right. two of them were five hole and not a good effort from him. He needs to sit down because he's not playing well tonight. I personally believe that Freddie was playing well that night. He made 16 saves. Yeah, and it's, again, he made 16 saves. And going back to the 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 narrative of oh, you're only as good as your last two games. You know, there's this, again talk going around about oh, you know Freddie's going a little cold, a little cold lately. And yeah. I know his numbers haven't necessarily been the best as of late. But did he not fucking redeem himself completely in that game last night? Oh my god, a man. Two on a o, two on o. A two on o because Mr. Nylander's got to go sexy sauce across the slot on a three on one. I know. Turn I was, over the fucking puck. I was pissed about that play. They're short it. a guy. They got a guy at the bench. I was yelling, no! <laughs> As he made the play. I was, I was standing up. If was, there's a time to be selfish, just rip the puck. Like you, yeah. although if you know if he would have shot, he, you know he would have missed the net, rimmed it around the boards, and they would have got the two on zero anyway. Yeah, you're right. Anyways, I just wanted to talk about that poll because I I got into it a little bit with a couple of different people who thought I was crazy. For well, I, 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 think, I think I don't know. I, I think, think it was crazy. He was fine that game. It was the story that that came out of the game, and people were trying to spin it as a controversial thing. Yeah. Whatever. Because of Fred, Freddie's reaction, probably a little bit, and the fact that I don't think he had been pulled in. He'd been pulled one other time this season, maybe. Yeah, earlier. So, I don't know. I'm not worried about Fred. No, if, I'm not if, either. If, if he is going to have a little bit of a... Of a that Bailey took last night, though, was kind of fucked, eh? Yeah, and you that see... That sucked. 
that doesn't help. I mean, that's just that that can happen, right? But then the the guys on the broadcast are like, oh, oh, you know, and it starts off bad for Freddie Anderson. He falls over, and then they showed another bullshit highlight where someone took a shot and it was missing the net by six feet, and it went off the end of Freddie's glove. And they're like, oh, and he can't he can't glove down an easy glove save. And I'm like, guys, rewind the fucking tape, man. That shot was going way high and way wide. The reason why he couldn't catch it is because it was nowhere fucking near. But they're, you know what I mean? They're using the stumble and they're using the fact that he can't glove it down. And then one of the goals just goes underneath his glove. So those three things. That was mean, the narrative early on he doesn't in that have hockey it. game. It was all Freddie's Freddie faltering it. a little bit. What do you mean he doesn't fucking have it, man? The guy made 16 fucking saves, yeah. okay? It's a little bit of a I'm not going to let one period of hockey tell, you know, form my opinion on a goalie who's been you know, lights pretty out. much lights out all season long. Yeah, 100%. All right, we got on Maple Leafs. We caught up. There's a there's a lot of hockey that that happened since we last recorded, and uh, and some very enjoyable hockey indeed. It's it's been good. It's been fun. Yeah, man. We're well, we're 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 pushing our limit here. We're at a buck twenty eight already. Okay. Well, we uh, had alluded in our previous episode that we were going to hit up some uh, kind of all decade review lists and whatnot. So what we've done is we put together uh, a couple different things. So what. What what I've done in Spirit of the World Juniors as well is I have made a um, an all decade lineup. So basically, the context here is that I've picked uh, three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie as kind of the best players at the World Juniors, and it based on what they were at the time in that tournament. So their careers in the NHL and beyond their their games played at that tournament do not factor into the list that I've created for this first exercise. When when we watched them in the World Juniors. Right. They yeah, were sick. I based it on how many games they played, what they did in those games, and how many medals around their neck. Okay, I like it. And I personal took a bias on, on shit that I thought was awesome yeah. in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's, that's good. You want to explain what you did here? Because you I, did something a little different. Yeah, I took a different route. Um, I, I, I kind of felt that if I did the same as you that we'd probably just have the same list and it would be kind of boring. So I uh, I went through every single lineup from 2010 to 2019 or all, all the rosters, excuse me, and uh, I made I made a full I made a full roster, four lines, 3D or excuse me, four lines, three lines of D and two 10Ds. And what I based it on was who they are now. Who who these players have become, and there's there's a couple of neat examples. Let's go where this guy played, and he's incredible, but he was a non-factor in the World Juniors. And guess why? Because he played as a 17 year old, right. played like four minutes, right. and then uh, got drafted and played in the NHL right away. Right. So he had no impact on World Juniors as far as the so international. Yours team. is less about the pedigree in the World Juniors, but how how they are now. Guys that we had on our team. Back yeah. then, and you may not even realize that some of these players were were on the team, right? Because you don't, it, they you flew under the radar. It's at hindsight, the time. though, right? Yeah. You didn't know who they were back then, but you know who they are now. I put together my line here. Um, first player I had to go with is Braden Chen. Uh, he's second only to Eberle in point per game all time with 26 points in 13 games played for the Canada at the World Juniors. Uh, he was the MVP of the 2011. He has a gold and a silver to his name. Okay. Literally the most obvious choice, right? Obvious. Like obvious. Everyone like, in their car right now or wherever you're listening, they're like, Eberle. <laughs> yeah. And so obviously on his wing, Jordan Eberle, yeah. highest points per game in Canadian history with 26 points in 12 games. A uh, couple medals to his name as well. Um, I got to go. Now, 
most interesting on, on the other wing, I decided to throw Barrett Hayton on there. Okay. I had uh, Jonathan Huberdeau there at first, who had 18 points in 12 games and a bronze medal to his name. But after, and maybe throw in some recency bias on this, but fuck, I had to put, as you can see with the Eberly pick, I, I'm a fan of that clutchness and yeah. that, that big game moments, right? So Hayden had 16 points, 12 game play, games played, an unbelievable goal that we're going to remember forever probably yeah. and a performance and a story that we'll always remember. Um, incredible gold medal, so I put him on there. Well, I think it's fair to take Huberto out, Lesko, because – it's only 18 points versus 16. It's only two more points. Right. And if, there's a gold versus a bronze. Yeah. We're talking if, here. if Hayden only got six, six points, non-factor really, considering some of the high scoring games and whatnot, right? Um, six points and, and a huge gold medal. Y- you'd probably still be like, Huberto's in there. And honorable mention to Hayden for that awesome goal, that heroic goal. Yeah, had to throw him in had there. Had to throw him in there. But no, he got 16 points. Like, he was a huge force. So very well-deserved to to push out a guy like Huberto, for sure. I think so. I think so, too. Now, as far as the back end goes, I, th- I thought it was pretty easy. No-brainers. Uh, Ryan Ellis, for one. And I recall, you know, when and he had played there for a few, uh, few seasons, I think, or a few tournaments. Uh, when he was, you know, a big defender for the Spitfires, but highly underrated yeah. at the time because at the time Ryan Ellis was considered tiny for a defenseman. Yes, yeah, okay. But this guy put up 25 points in nine games and had a goal, a gold, and two silvers. Okay, a lot of hardware. That's unbelievable. That's sick. That's unbelievable. He he was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I remember him being a, a standout and being a fan of his right away after watching him the first time he played for them. And the other defenseman I had to go with was Alex Petrangelo. Nice. 15 points in 12 games, gold and silver medals. Um, as for the goalie, Carter Hart. I think it's a no-brainer. I would agree. I mean, that guy put up gold, silver, 920 save percentage in 10 games played with an 8-2 and two record. Probably the best goalie, and you would say presently the best goalie in Canadian World Juniors in the last 10 years. Oh, uh, I don't think so. A little guy named Jordan Bennington might have something to say about that. I suppose. Right? I suppose. Now, but back when they played in the World Juniors, Hart made his name there. Yeah. Right? And that's what your list is all about. And he, Hart- was, he was well hyped coming into it as well. Yeah, you're right. He was. Back back to Ellis real quick, man. You know, the one thing that I remember the most about Ryan Ellis, and I don't even know why this is my memory, but the one thing I remember the most about Ryan Ellis in the World Juniors was his ability to walk lines, his ability to carry the puck laterally across right. the blue line and not go offside and, and flirt with the puck right on the blue and have his head up. Outstanding mobility. Just know, just the awareness of where he is on the ice. Um, So comfortable back at the blue line, being able to keep pucks in. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't even care that I'm putting myself out here to sound like an idiot. Was he not a part of the team when Eberle scored the crazy goal to tie the game? He may have been. Cannot confirm or deny. I think he was. I think he was at the blue line helping keep the puck in. 
I have then, to correct myself on Ryan Ellis as well. I said he played nine games. It's actually 19. Oh, 19. That's okay. a fuck up on my behalf. I didn't even really catch that, but it would have been surprising to, for him to only play nine. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. Playing yeah, in three tournaments. But anyways, yeah, if I remember correctly, I think he was at the blue line when that happened, and he, he went down on both knees and, and was able to hold the blue line. Taveras came in, dug it out, and shoveled it towards the cage, and the rest is history. Tie game. Can you believe it? The only guy in the building that could believe it was Pierre Maguire. I was surprised at how late... Ryan Ellis got drafted after what he did in the in his first World Juniors tournament. Yeah. And yeah. again, underrated because of his size. Right. And we're talking about an era where size was still considered a huge factor, I think, in the NHL. I mean, he's 5'10", and for a defenseman back in the day, it was like you were under six feet, and you were, you were a small defenseman at 6'1", back in the day. Yeah, true. But you're right, though, because you think that you would at least raise your own stock after having such a successful, um, you know, world junior tournament and basically uh, exposing your potential to. Yeah, he did go 11th overall, which, but I remember going into it, he was rated a lot lower. And I know he probably raised his stock as we talked about players often do in the world junior tournament. I just thought he was, you know, based on his offensive abilities alone and, and, and the role he played and how clutch he was, I just thought he, you know he was gonna go like top five in the draft that year. You on my list? Yeah, fired off. Okay, so the good thing about my list is I like yours because you're able to kind of like give the listeners a, a little breakdown of how the players did in their respective tournaments. I don't have any of those stats. I just put the names down. I just went through all the rosters and was like, oh my god, this guy was on the fucking team that year. Put him on the list, you know. And I had some difficult decisions to make, so I thought I put an extra down but maybe i didn't maybe oh i did that for my leaf my leaf lineup all right so let me just rhyme it off to you bingo style and stop me when you realize how unbelievable this team is like this team would compete for olympic gold i think oh yeah so taylor hall nathan mckinnon jonathan huberto oh by the way folks i i kind of thought i might have did centers I think I may have put the players in their respective positions, but I can't be sure. So don't jump on me if I got someone playing LW and he should be RW. So I got Hall, McKinnon, Huberto, Stone, Shifley, Eberly, Point, McDavid, Marner, Dylan Strom, Barzell, and Braden Shen. Like four first lines. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. I didn't really. Uh, you'll you'll wonder why Point McDavid and Marner. That's probably the first line, or maybe I don't know what you want to do. Who cares about first and fourth yeah. line? But yeah, those are some pretty pretty strong forwards, yeah, right? Oh yeah. Uh, on D, I got Petrangelo with Ekblad, Barry with Makar, and Hamilton with Shabbat. Like, tell me you're not scoring goals from that back end, bro. Yeah, that's a lot of offense right there. <laughs> that's and, an see, all I considered offense. putting Makar on my list, but it, he didn't play a huge role, I realized, when I looked into him. I know he, he impressed me, but he, I, if I recall correctly, he did not play a whole hell of a lot. No, that's right. And, that, and he played for last year's team as well, which kind of had a, you know, what, sixth place, shit the bed type thing. Yeah, so. yeah. So the taste wasn't left very good in your mouth, but hindsight is twenty twenty, and that's what my list is. We're right. in 2020 right now, so everything, the whole year is in hindsight. So you have to always wait to make your <laughs> give your analysis after the fact. Uh, in net, I got Jordan Bennington, and Carter Hart. Now, the goaltending let's go, I thought was really interesting um, in the sense that other than Bennington and Hart, there's how many of those guys are even in the NHL right now? I don't know if any of them. Wedgwood. Wedgwood's in the NHL? Is he not? Or no, that's Blackwood. Blackwood, yeah. Oh, wait. Well, then Blackwood, because Blackwood, Blackwood started last year. Right. 
or yeah, a couple years ago, either last year or the year like before. That, yeah. Anyway, he, oh, I have the whole fucking thing right here. Car- Carter Hart played with Colton Point. Connor Ingram played with Carter Hart. That's why Carter Hart got on your list because he went back to back years too. So he gets it. He gets to make a little bit more. And of a he name. was great. And he was great. Blackwood, yeah, Blackwood uh, was with Mason McDonald in 2016. Let's go. That's where we saw Blackwood. That's the only time we saw him. So yeah, well, Malcolm Subban, he's in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We'll have to do a where are they now World Juniors goalie history because we yeah. were talking about this before the show that some of these guys are so hyped up and you're like thinking, oh, yeah, this guy's on the fast track to the show. But goalies take a while to develop and some what a great, end up nowhere. What a great point by you to say goalies take a while to develop because the only time we can go and find some starting goaltenders who have, you know, went on to have, you know, successful NHL careers, whatever you want to call it, is 2010 both Jake Allen and Martin Jones. Right. Now, both of those guys and the have... the last ones I can remember in the previous decade are probably Fleury and Price. Yeah. Guys who walked out, got drafted in the first round, went in the NHL and made an impact almost yeah. immediately. Absolutely. Uh, so the other question I threw out uh, here is, who was the best NHL team talking single season, season end playoffs, regular season end playoffs, that we saw from 2010 to 2020? Oh, man, that is a tough question. That is a really tough one. I instantly want to talk about the Penguins. I feel like they jump off the page at me 2016, maybe. Right. After that, the second one for me might be the 2010 Hawks. The 2010 Hawks. Way, were way back. Crazy. And right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the 2010 Hawks. I know it's at the very edge of the decade, but. And, well, it and, counts. And, and what makes the 2010 Hawks so impressive is the batch of players that they had. And kind of before they 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 made their money and went off throughout the league, but the, you, if you t- pull up that roster and look at the players they had assembled and how masterly that team was drafted and developed as well. Look at all the Canadians. It's fucking phenomenal. The, like the amount of guys they had there that are impact players and were impact players or still are impact players in the NHL. Like if you, I imagine if you try to do a cap hit today of these guys. And especially if you could count Marion Hosa, it would be what double the salary cap. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you're looking at some some of these players: Duncan Keith, Seabrook, and their fucking primes. Patrick Sharp, a 23 year old uh, Christopher Steig, Christopher Steig, yeah. Dustin Bufflin, um, Soupy, Marion Hosa, and uh, I believe Andy Nami took them on a hell of a yeah, ride that year. Absolutely. As well. um, Brian Bickle when he was still effective. Dave Bolin when he yeah. was still effective. He scored some clutch goals for them. Troy Brower when he was still effective. A Brian young, Campbell when he was yes, still fucking really good. Soupy, a young Nicholas Chalmerson. Yeah, Chalmerson when he was just emerging. Like, right. It's it's such a deep team. They were so impressive to watch. Cristobal Huey. Cristobal Huey. <laughs> my God. You remember Cristobal Huey, Barely. man? I know me too. Like, holy shit. But you're right, man. 26-year-old Duncan Keith. Like, that's such a great lineup, man. It, honestly, it's really difficult to choose, to be honest with you, because like I said, instant, instantly the uh, 2016 Penguins jumped off the page. And it's kind of fitting, you know, because you're looking at the likes of Sidney Crosby and Jonathan Taves. Six years removed, of course, but two instrumental leaders of their of their teams right like captain Sirius jonathan taves leads the teams to cups uh and then obviously 
fucking franchise player, number one overall pick, you know, next Wayne Gretzky, fucking Sidney Crosby, able to bring his team to the promised land several times as well. So two really strong teams. And, you know, kind of similar, let's go, in the sense that they have, uh, they kind of have like, a similar supporting cast, if you know what I'm saying. You got your star players, and then you got your supporting cast, right? You got your you got your Carl Hagelins, and you got your Tom Kuhnhackles that are able to chip away with depth goals. And that year they goals. had Kessel as well, so that helped really put them over the top, I think. Yeah, true. Yeah. I'll give an honorable mention shout-out to the 2011 Bruins. Okay, so this was pre-playing the Leafs in the playoffs. Boo. Definitely, you know, definitely, I got to admit, bit of a fan of that team the Bruins in Get those out. days I'm serious like I they were a great hockey team to watch I mean they were fucking tough they could score you know that and this was you know I shouldn't say in the days of the bad Bruins or anything but this was when a different breed of hockey was still being played they had but Thomas Caberle they had Thomas Caberle who they acquired from the Leafs that year we'll talk about him later they had Brad Marchand <laughs> they had Rask they had Blake Wheeler Okay. Oh yeah. They had Mark Stewart, who was a great defenseman. Seidenberg and his Seidenberg. Prime. Tyler Sagan. Um, one of my all-time Michael favorites, Ryder. Mark Savard and Michael Ryder. Yeah, too. Yeah, Michael Ryder when he was still Savard decent. is such a beauty. Fucking Mark Recchi. Okay, towards the end of his career, before he gained like seventy-eight pounds. <laughs> uh, Mark <laughs> Recchi, of course. Um, you know Bergeron, obviously. twenty-four-year-old. At the Krejci. time, you know one of the best fourth lines that I can remember really with Gregory Campbell, uh, Sean Thornton and, uh, Chris Kelly. Yeah. I do remember that being a super effective. David Krejci was also uh, a fine contributor of that hockey team. Yeah. I mean, they had, they had four lines. They were, uh, that picturesque team where you could just roll them. And I remember Milan Lucic and Nathan Horton running rampant. Oh yeah. Everyone. They were twin towers. Oh, they were unbelievable. Nathan Horton was a force before he got hurt. So wasn't that the year too, that he exercised the demons in game seven overtime against Montreal with that, spin around slap shot from the high slot or something That's awfully specific it was no remember. but i mean it was it was game seven montreal like it was huge and it was nathan horn yeah who's the best player of the decade well it's got to be Sid. is this a debate no it has it's to be Sid. Sid. it's Sid. i don't know who else you could say it would be patrick kane probably or yeah. ovechkin those are the honorable mentions okay you, you got to give the nod to Sid because the cups the gold medals the world championships he did it all I, I give it to Sid because of the 1.234 points per game. That's another one because that is significantly higher than than those other guys we just it's, mentioned. It's ridiculously higher. It's 0.12 higher. You know? And and in the grand scheme of things, they're like, oh my God, 0.12. <laughs> well, yeah, 0.12 kilometers is not long, but 0.12 points per game over fucking He's about hundreds, 25% and- higher. Hundreds and hundreds of per game yeah. than Kane, uh, Ovechkin, Giroux, Tavares, the other highest scoring guys. So speaking of Giroux, I thought that was super interesting. My honor, honorable mention has to be Claude Giroux. And I'm not saying you need to factor or consider Claude Giroux as the best player. It is clearly Sidney Crosby. But Claude Giroux, I feel, gets really no respect in this regard, considering in the decade... He was fourth in points with 719, only five points back of Alex Ovechkin in only five more games played. So he was right up there with Ovi, um, 0.974 points per game. So very close to a point per game player. 
Um, I, I think that uh, if you were to make a list or if you were to ask good hockey fans to make a list of their top five players over the past decade, I don't know if you're going to see Claude Giroux on many lists, Lesko. No, probably not. I don't think so. And I, I think, and I think maybe he doesn't get as much love on a recency bias type thing where Claude Giroux was dominant and arguably one of the best, at least top five in the NHL for probably at least half the decade. Yeah, safe. Like he was like, there was a while where he was considered like, people were saying, who is these good Sid? Like the rivalry was not Sid and Ovi. It was Sid and Claude Giroux. Well, I remember, uh, I remember vividly the 2010 Olympics when I went down to the cabin in Ottawa to uh, have a couple of beverages or whatever. And Claude Giroux was there. And he was sitting over in the bar area with a bunch of fucking big guys or whatever. And I had my, what did I have on? And Betty's probably. Got a, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, the story gets better. I'll tell you the story. <laughs> I won't take too, too long, but I'll tell you the story. It gets better as far as the little biddies are concerned. Um, I, I had a Jay's hat on, I think. And um, I remember, oh, I had my, uh, do you remember the Team Canada jersey that the Taveras group wore? It, it was it was the the, the too specific the leaf going across the the chest like that too specific Get it's kind of like the old 1972 jersey anyway I had that on and I I wanted him to sign it but I knew he couldn't sign it because it was that that year they didn't use material it was like a rubber crest oh the crest was like rubber so any kind of signature Shitty. would just would just fucking go away but I was like I'm not gonna go over and ask Claude Drew for a signature I'm just gonna fucking like I, I didn't believe my buddy when he told me that it was Claude so I fucking walked over and I was just looking. And uh, boom, some big guy right in my face. He's like, what do you want? And I was like, I'm not even near him, man. Relax. Like I just, my buddy told me Claude Giroux's here. I just wanted to check it Got out. his man. handlers with him. And I said, I go, relax, bud. I said, man, all I wanted to do was come over and see if it was Claude. Because in my opinion, he should be on the bus heading over to the Olympics. Because the Olympics were going on, right? And that's why he was there. Because it was the Olympic break. And he didn't make the team. And anyways, the guy goes, that's not Claude Giroux. I said, bud. Don't fucking tell me who Claude Giroux is. I get that you're here to whatever. I'm not even going to fucking bother the guy. Just let him know that he's an absolute beauty and he should be on Team Canada. So I go over to the bar. I'm ordering drinks. Same guy comes over like five minutes later. Fucking taps me on the shoulder. I turn around. I'm like, hey, what's going on? What's Claude up to? (laughs) You know, it's just being an asshole. He goes, he goes, don't be a dick. Claude wants to see you. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, what is this, the Godfather? So like I head over with him and he's like, Claude, here's this fucking guy, you know? And and Claude has literally got his arm around like a smoke show uh, in the bar. And he's like, he's like, whatever. I don't know what he said to her because it was the bar. So I couldn't hear him. But he like kind of said something to her and she fucking looked at me, Lesko. And if looks could kill, I wouldn't be here for sure. Because Were you cock blocking her? I, I must have cock. I must have. I must have. I almost said the other c word there. I almost said it. Oh, it would have been acceptable to say it. I, don't I, think I, so. I pussy blocked her. Okay. Maybe you want to say it. Anyways, the point is, it was pretty hilarious. I ended up going over. I sat down. He fucking poured me a little vodka, uh, a little mixture, whatever he was drinking. Grey Goose. And he's like, "Hey man," he's like, "Heard you're a big fan." I was like, "Yeah, yeah." I was like, "I didn't really want to fucking come over here, Claude, and you know, bust up your fucking date or anything." I just, I thought it was cool you were here, and I like, you're an absolute beaut. I go, "You should have been at Team Canada," and I think you're gonna fucking lead the NHL in scoring soon. Like, I was a big Claude Drew fan at that time. He had made appearances at the bar before, but I never was there. I always got texts. Oh, 
Uncle Drew is at the bar tonight. Yeah, I'm like, gets, man, I, I heard been a lot of there. people spotting him around Ottawa. Yeah, he, he likes to have a time. Yeah, he's a pretty good guy. So anyway, I learned that night that yeah, he is a fucking great guy. And he's he's the one that brought me over and we had a little drink together. Lo and behold, let's go several years later. I ended up I ended up being behind the bar with the guy at the cabin for uh gong show night. My sister was really good friends with the manager of the bar. And she was like, oh, man, my brother would fucking love you to death if somehow you got him in as like VIP or something. And she's like, VIP, tell him he can come behind the bar and sling drinks. I was like, isn't <laughs> that it's like, you to work. Isn't that illegal? And she's yeah. like, yeah, but all the NHL players are going to be back here doing it. Derek Broussard, Bobby Ryan, Claude Giroux, right. Mark Mathot, all the gong show guys from the Ottawa-ish right. area. And uh, it was fucking, it was like the time of my life, man. I was having a dip. Like I was having a fucking skull, fucking big horseshoe dip with Claude Giroux behind the bar, pouring <laughs> drinks for idiots. And the girls and stuff, they thought I was an NHL player. Oh, because, fuck. Right, right? Because I, like, I know Wouldn't I was able young. to tell by the height. Well, I guess not. I don't know. But Derek Broussard and Claude, they're not huge guys either, though. I guess, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was pretty funny, man. I was like, what team do you play for? I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> just making shit up like behind the bar. Just so, drafted, not there yeah. yet. But anyway, it was so pretty... I got to fill out a bit before. I... Yeah. But like back to Claude, it's just it's just an interesting honorable mention because it, it, the decade obviously started in 2010, right? And the February, the, the Olympics were in February of 2010. So the decade had just started. Claude got snubbed. And then basically like from that moment on became one of the best players in the NHL. And in hindsight, he should have absolutely been on the team. They didn't need him because they like it won. Mattered, yeah. No, they won anyway. But the point is, is it, I remember feeling like I remember telling some of my friends, I was like, "I'm responsible for Claude Giroux being amazing right now." I told him, I, so I pumped him, I pumped his tires at the bar. Told him he was one of the best players in the show. You know, so it was, it was pretty sweet. I think he was actually uh, in the voting. Wasn't he in the voting that following year for the heart? Or like he had a oh, really phenomenal know. season. Really, hard, really, it was hard enough making these goddamn lists trying to remember yeah, what true. happened in the early parts of the decade. Barely remember what I did on the holidays. Good so. point. Good point. Um, best goalie of the decade. I don't think there's a lot of debate here either. No debate for me again. Flurry, Mark Andre Flurry. It, it has yeah. to be Flurry. Cups, wins, leads in wins. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Rene leads in shutouts. Um, Rask leads in the statistical categories: goals against average and save percentage. Um, so it is spread around. It's not like Fleury dominated everything. He wasn't the Martin Brodeur of, of, but of you the got 2010s. the cups and not only the cups, but the cup finals appearances as well. Oh, good point. Right. You, yeah. And you've got, you know, just some phenomenal hockey at, at, at various levels, you know, whether it's internationally or, or, um, you know, with the penguins or the golden Knights, uh, honorable mention, I think has to go to Corey Crawford, Jonathan quick, couple of cups, for me, if we're only talking about the statistics, which it looks like we kind of are for these lists, we're looking at the statistics, right? Mm -hmm. For me, yes, it's Flurry. But if we're talking about the goaltender that I wanted on my team, let's say, throughout all the 2010s, you want to pick a goalie in his prime during that time frame. Who do you got? I'm probably taking Price. I'll probably take it to Garas because we should have had him in the first place. <laughs> Fuck, you're so bitter. <laughs> you're just bitter. <laughs> Could have been playing for us for 10 fucking years. <laughs> Never let that one fucking go, goddamn Fergler. No, you're right. All right, best D-man of the decade. Who do you got? I want to go Doughty. You're looking at me like that's the wrong decision. No, I'm not. Oh, I, that's, okay. that's, a, that's an adequate choice. I want to go with Doughty. And it's kind of similar to my uh, it's kind of similar to my price thing. I just said Carey Price because of how talented he was. Yes, but the statistics would show that it's that it's flurry. Well, in this case, the statistics and the accolades and stuff 
would probably show that it might be what? What do you want to say? Maybe maybe a chera? You know, I was leaning chair myself. Are you leaning because chair? of the accolades? You're because a fucking Bruins fan. No, I'm not. <laughs> but what? Because of what he's done, and no, I'm not. and the fact that going into the decade, he was probably one of the best uh, best defensemen in the NHL and most feared, and yet still to this day plays and <laughs> is still a top pairing defenseman and is still getting by. And he's not. I wouldn't put him as like top five in the league or anything right now. Yeah, no, no, but no, no, he's no, still no. killing it. Um, yeah, but it's not now. It's a new decade now. Yeah, my, my other pick is is Duncan Keith, just because I think in a way he and and you could say this about Drew Doughty as well has somewhat revolutionized the the position of de, uh, the modern NHL defenseman. Yeah, because these guys were were what everyone wants before before they knew they wanted it. Yes, these guys were ahead of their time in that they were those skilled, smooth skating. Puck moving defenseman, but Doughty still crushed guys. Right, and, and Keith was no stranger to physical play either. But just why he stood out and what made him so different in the early part of the decade was, holy fuck! Here's this defenseman who skates like a European winger. I know? find that if I were to uh, look at a little bit more specific aspects of the game, I'd say that the Keith on this list, if we talked about the likes of Chera, Doughty, Keith. Weber, Yandel, Giordano, Eric Carlson. Out of all those guys, I feel like Duncan Keith in his prime had the best vision. Right. You can see how he, he and he played like 30 minutes a game and just, and, and own the ice. Own it. And he was a quarterback. Breakout passes were always so good. Like it was yeah. never a, a problem. When he had the puck, you knew that you were going to probably gain the zone or like you didn't have to worry about doubling back or looking over your shoulder, man. Keith had it. And if he wanted to rush with it, then fucking go ahead. He like, could skate with it. God no damn it. He's the Lamar you know Jackson. Why you know why we're line. both wrong though? Why? Because it's Nick Ledstrom. Well. But he didn't play for the whole decade. So I, I waited it. Like, should uh, I pick Nick yeah. Ledstrom when, when he retired? Retire? 2014, I think. I don't know. Something You're, like that. I don't know. I'm going to drink but, out of my mug. Right, right. Like, there was definitely. If he had played and continued to play, and I'm sure he could have, does it count? Because, or is the sample size too small? I don't know. Well, again, it all comes back to... Because if really you're saying the best player to play in this decade, yeah. then yeah. But if we're talking who had the best decade, yeah. then it's no. It's two different conversations. It's two different conversations. And that's right. what... It, no, but that's what leads to good banter back and forth as we encroach upon two hours of our pod here. Which, I knew we were... I fully knew we were going it's two okay. hours today. I don't think... I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, we haven't been around for a while. Yeah, we, we probably could have had we're two making pods. Up, we're making up for not having an episode last week, basically. We're just yeah. mashing everything and then we, into it. And then we one. don't have to be back for two more weeks. Yeah, we're just giving <laughs> you fucking four hours of content. Just kidding. We'll be back next week. Okay, uh, I did put together an all-decade Leafs roster for nice. our Leaf friends out there. And it's it wasn't... It wasn't super difficult. It wasn't a super exciting exercise, I'm going to say. Because mainly, all it was was a combination of the two teams in the last 10 years that were any good. Yeah, I and know. And that was the, the one Kessel-era Leaf team, and then a, a mishmash of the last Matthews-era, uh, some of the Matthews-era players. I'm looking at your team. I'm trying to see how many guys you have that currently are Leafs. You have one, two, three, four, five, six. You have Muzzin on there twice. I know. That's how much I like Muzzin. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to replace him on the one line. I think I just 
forgot or ran out of time. You have him on there twice. He's okay. an idiot. And I'm not even going to correct it now. I'm no, I didn't. Well, that's not fair. Who's your other one? I couldn't fucking. I, I was trying to find another one. That's how thin the defense has been on this team in the last 10 years. I couldn't fucking find well, one. Well, you have Caberlet. Yeah. So. There was no one else from that era, though. McCabe. McKay wasn't there in, in, in this uh in this decade. Oh, he wasn't? And they traded Cabriolet in twenty ten or what 2011, where he went to Boston. Oh, well then So he was just made the cut. <laughs> I have Cabriolet and McCabe as a pair. Oh yeah, so on my team. Brian McCabe don't count. Fuck. I looked him up specifically to see if his tenure extended in the twenty tens right, and it did right, not. I'm changing it, I put for nothing. Okay, go with your list. Okay, Let's all right, go. all right. Um Castle Tavares Mariner. Neilander Matthews JVR. Did you actually do lines? I did lines. I, I did lines. Okay, yeah, these I are made lines. Them as lines so you, so you, got, slot so you have JT playing with Phil and Mitch. Yes, I like it. Yeah, Matthews plays with Willie and JVR. Yes, they spent some time together. No, yeah, it's kind of a weird one. It, it was JVR because he's my highest rated winger. I guess it should have been Neilander actually because they're on, on opposite sides. But yeah, well, who cares about that? Wingers winger. and centers. Um, third line, a bit of a throwback. Uh, Grabowski, Kadri, and MacArthur. I was probably a bigger fan of Grabowski than most people did. I just loved how how um, how good he was with the puck and how much heart the guy had. Remember how badly he would get destroyed? Destroyed, though. <laughs> he would get hit so hard. Remember that hard. game he got pounded by Chera two times? Oh, yeah, just buckled him into the board. He scored twice that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He I was- remember that game. He was a heart and soul kind of player. And I think he was a little underrated for he sure. He probably should have went to the quiet room that one open ice hit. Oh, he several skated right times. into Chera. Several times. Like, talk about a guy who who maybe would have had a better, more successful career if he wasn't getting battered and beaten all over the ice. I got a bone to pick with you on that line, but I'll okay, get to it. I'll so, get to it on my list. So I got in my fourth line, I've got Lupul Bozak. Um you gotta give credence to Bozak. I mean, he played for most of the decade. And uh Nikolai Kuhlman, who Scored 30 goals one year, but I think a lot of, left a lot to be desired otherwise. Yeah. He was one of those guys where, like, ah, is this guy going to, like, make his way into a top six player? Never really did. Never really was. Still not is and never will be. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then my spare honorable mention is Leo Komarov, just because he played here a lot, fucking loved him, loved what he brought, you know, did everything for this team that he that he off, uh, could contribute, I think. Okay. So back end, I got Riley Caberle, Gardner Muzzin, 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 Muzzin. <laughs> An honorable mention to Jake Muzzin. <laughs> uh, I got uh, I got in there, and then obviously I had Muzzin twice. So <clears throat> I got I got nothing like I I was looking at like Anton Strahlman, Carl Gunnarsson. I'm like, who the fuck? Do you got any like I, I fill in my blank here? Barry. I guess it has to be Barry for the whole half. 37 games he played in this in yeah this but if decade. you're gonna if you're gonna put Caberlet in there I guess but I guess Caberlet is more carryover right right but Barry but the Barry is kind of the moving ahead kind Needless of thing to say the Leafs D is so fucking brutal that it was goddamn struggle to it was a struggle it was a fucking wanted. struggle okay could be Justin Hall fuck fuck's sakes um, <laughs> tenders are obvious Anderson obviously Anderson. James Reimer obviously Anderson Reimer I don't even know who else played for us in the last I thought about it and was like I don't even who's your third string the monster Mac yeah Mac lady right third, yeah. str- third string Mac is a good third yeah, string though probably, probably what he did for us and you know what I like your pick of the monster though no, fuck no. No, 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 but I liked him. I liked I liked Gustafson. We were sure sold a bag of fucking fool's lemons. gold on that one. Eh? Lemons, yeah. Rotten lemons. Okay, what about mine? You want mine? Give her. 
All right, so my lines are I, my 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 lineup is relatively the same. I made a couple of different picks, mostly to be different, but I like it anyways. I got Matthews with Kessel and Hyman. I have Hyman on my team because I want I want him on there. Then I got JT with Nylander and Marner, which I feel is great because they've already spent time as a successful line. Then, this is where I have a bone to pick with you. How can you break up one of our best lines of the 2010s? The best third line of all time that, that scored all the goals that year. Oh my God, that year they were yeah. our first line. Even though, I guess even though they only played 15 minutes a game, they were still our first line. Right. It's MacArthur with Grabowski and Kuhleman. That year was unreal. I actually had to look it up, dude. Like I, I did a little Googling on that actual line. And all three of them scored 30 Genos that year? Well, it was 20, 2010, 2011. So the beginning of the decade, Clark MacArthur had 62 points. Mikhail Grabowski was just shy of 60, but he got 30 goals. And Nikolai Kuhlman also hit the 30-goal mark. So much false hope on the uh, line. Yeah, they, they finished uh, second, third, and fourth, actually, respectively, in team scoring. Kessel led with just 64 so they didn't it wasn't a good season it wasn't like uh it was a fantastic season or anything but in that season let's go the trio combined for 177 points that year and it was a lot of fun to watch it they really were, they was. were lightning in a bottle they were yeah. fast yeah they were tenacious it's a great way to put it you know good good heart and soul type line yeah now i guess my only beef with your line up there is that in order to do that what you've done here is that you have bozak on the extra and i think he i think you're I think you're 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 not paying tribute to Tyler Bozak. Well, Bozak should be so my fourth line is JVR Kadri Marlowe. And Bozak should be where Marlowe is. Right. But in I, the lineup. But you were going with the I was going with the wingers. position. Yeah, yeah okay. I was going with the position. And and I didn't want to throw Lupul even in there, even though he's a total beauty, fucking man rocket. Looks like Jimmy Fallon, I think. I always thought that, that fucking guy looked like Jimmy Fallon. Joffrey Lupul for some reason. Joffrey Lupul will always have. A he's sp- way better looking than Jimmy. I know, Fallon. but he looks like Fallon a little bit. Like he's got the same fucking. I don't know. Just yeah. look at it, you guys. If you want to look at it, be like Jimmy Fallon, fucking Joffrey Lupul. Eh, mm, Coleman's out too much. Um, but Lupul will always have a soft spot in my heart because I was at that game when we clinched against Ottawa in twenty. Well, the twenty thirteen year when we clinched, I was there. And we were winning like 4-1 or something. And Lupul scored on a breakaway with like four minutes left to make it 5-1. Or make it 4 I don't know. It sealed the deal basically is what I'm saying. And the crazy thing about that let's go was we had three consecutive chances to clinch. And we failed on all three of those. And then in our like fourth or fifth last game of the year, it was Ottawa. And I had tickets to that game. And I remember saying to my friends, man... I know I want, I want the Leafs to clinch so badly, but I want the Ottawa game I'm going to to mean something. So I wouldn't be that mad if we failed to clinch until the <laughs> Ottawa the game. The game that you were going to. And that's exactly what happened, dude. We lost three games in a row, and everyone was like, oh, here comes the 18-wheeler again. Leafs were all but locked into the playoffs, and now they're falling off. And I was fucking nervous, man. And then we, I, I shouldn't say pounded them, but we beat them relatively handily. And Lupul scored the breakaway goal to send us to the playoffs, and it sent all the Sens fans to the exits. And I'm sure you might have fucking been there. I would be, no, I wasn't. You weren't there, no. eh? Wow, what a t- terrible game to miss. Like, everyone left, and we sang... 
goalie skull and fucking this is our house and all kinds of different shit. Ole, 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 ole. Like all bullshit. We just went nuts. We took over the fucking building. It was amazing. Like the last four minutes, we gave them a standing ovation on the road. We clinched the playoffs. It was the best time ever. So I left Lupul off and it and it hurt me to do. Uh, but there it is. Marlowe's on. Um, Riley Berry, Gardner Muzzin, Caberlet Fanuff. I don't really yeah. That's it. That's, that's all that's all you can do. Like I, I don't even know I was <laughs> I was digging. I was digging in the depths and like some of the names I was coming up with, holy crap. Dude, I laughed at you for having Muzzin on your list twice. Yeah, you have him too as you have him as your extra. <laughs> you have that him is fucking amazing, dude. We both have him twice. I chirped you so badly for having Muzzin on your list twice, and I got him with Gardner, and then I also have him as an extra. At, At least, least I had him as an extra. extra. I had two pairs. Oh, I my just, God. I was just double shifting him. Bro, do we like Muzzin or, like, what's the I deal? Know. Can you tell we miss Jake Muzzin <laughs> real hard right now? Fuck, that was good. Oh, well done. That well, was good. I guess it's time to go. Is it time to go? I think so, yeah. All right, listen. What, what are we um, rolling up on here? I don't even know. Let me see. A couple see hours, here. probably. Over two hours. Holy shit. Shut it down. Holy shit, Sherlock. Shut it down. Um, Before we do officially shut it down, though, Lesko, I wanted to congratulate um, former friends of the show. Well, Still I think current friends. Yeah, sorry. Current friends. No, former guests is former what I guests, meant to say. Current friends of the yeah. show. Former guests of the show, current friends of the show. Alex Hobson and Mark Vanderloot. Uh, those two beauties have started their own podcast. And uh, what is it? The Shanna Clan podcast. It's, uh, I listened to the first episode. Did you have a chance to listen to it yet? Let's go. I haven't got there yet, but I will get to it for sure. It's, uh, it's solid, man. The, those two boys have a good, have a good thing going there. Um, I was a big fan of the intro. And then I was an even bigger fan of the outro. Because they gave me a big shout out in the outro. They were like, uh, I chirped Hobson at one point because he was asking me a bunch of questions about like, hey man, like, you know, how do you get your podcast uploaded and blah, blah, blah. I told him we use SoundCloud and I gave him some tips and pointers and whatnot. And uh, like I'm some fucking pro or something. But um, I told him that I joked with him that I was holding his hand through it. So he says on the podcast, he's like, you know, to his words, Josh Coleman says he held my hand through this. So uh, congratulations, boys. Uh, I guess we can call them colleagues now, right? Some might call them uh, competitors, but we can call them colleagues, right? Right. Podcast Looking brothers. forward to some future collaborations with the Shanna Clan podcast. Yeah, for sure. So check that out. You can get it wherever you uh, podcast. And actually, I'll be appearing on that program uh, in a couple weeks with those boys. Looking forward to that. So thanks again for joining us here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. Episode 51 is a wrap. Follow us on Twitter at Coleman42, at Let's Go Adam, and at... Puck Pah.